I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astro Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. You just left. <coughs> Life is exhausting. <laughs> I'll agree with that. 
What the hell am I doing? Yeah, um, you seem to be stuck on throbbing, though, so... Throbbing? <laughs> oh, my God, look at this. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy voice, Mark. What the hell's the matter with you? It must be your voice. I'm guessing so. This is my sick voice. This is my, uh... My... Uh-oh. Crippling illness that uh, oh. knocked me out. I was done for uh, several, several days. Um, I had, like, the uh, viral flu thing and a sinus infection all at the same time. And yeah. I'm still, uh, I got stuck on these, it was like a five-day antibiotic. It was like this these horse pill, double-dose antibiotics. And I take that stuff, and it just it makes me sicker than I already am. And so, yeah, I'm a miserable old fart. Uh, <laughs> recently, dude, dude, Derek. Yes. Hey, now. How's it Derek Carey. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you, like my ass hurts and my joints hurt and my stomach is killing me and my I, I I'm going through sneezing fits. I feel I I wish I were dead. What did I tell you about butt chugging? You got to stop that. <laughs> I've been butt-chugging NyQuil for about five days. <laughs> Gets it to the bloodstream faster, all right. And Mark, I'm telling you, Mark says it was a cheese curds. I'm freaking telling you, man. That was So I guess I guess that's a good jumping-off point because uh, we have Derek Carey, of course, uh, coming on the show tonight, which you and I talked about it. We said, you know, I mean, it, uh, we've got to have you on more just to uh, be on the show because we've had you on as a guest before, but um, it's just nice to have you around. The clip you just heard is from November 15th, 2012, the very first time that my friend Corey J. Udler brought little old me, Derek Carey, on as a reoccurring guest on the show that you are listening to currently, Astro Radio Z. Astro Radio Z has been a part of my life on and off, for better or for worse, for over six years. Originally, I just planned on coming on and uh, doing this show, which was hosted by my dear friend, Mr. Corey J. Adler, as I just said, as an excuse to get away from everyday life and have the ability to talk about cult and exploitation films with a buddy of mine when I had nobody else in the world to do that with. Um, this last weekend, I was in Strongsville, Ohio, for a Cinema Wasteland, and a longtime guest, Mr. Seth Pollan, was there. And we got to a point Saturday night where, you know, we were both properly lubricated, and uh, the words were flowing, and we finally got down to talking about you know, this show. And as you can see on the title, it's labeled the end. And a lot of people this weekend when I was at cinema wasteland had questions for me. And I didn't realize some of the people that were listeners of this show were listeners of this show that I knew. They were people that had followed my movies or the movies that I had been involved in, um, had followed me on social media, and through osmosis, 
uh, of that, they became listeners out of curiosity and then listeners because they, for some unknown reason, actually liked this show. And uh, they came up to me to talk to me about it. Um, it was kind of humbling, to be honest. And uh, none more so than, than Seth. Um, I knew he listened to the show. Obviously, he had been a part of it for so long. But we started talking about um, the fact that him and I have known each other pretty much since 99. And we're, we're in 2018 here. That's almost 20 years that we've known each other. And we both started as, as people that needed some place to sit and talk about this ridiculous obsession we have, which is cult and exploitation film and horror film. And it all started on the bloody disgusting.com message boards. Now, bloody disgusting.com started right around that time in 1999 or 1998. I forget exactly when uh, the message boards for that website started. But Seth and I were a few of the original posters there. And uh, a, a, a large group of us continued to post there for a number of years, broke off when that became nothing more than a corporate shilling machine, and made our own site, uh, infinitropolis.com, where we were all writing about these really super underground Italian spaghetti westerns, Japanese pinky films, underground gore flicks, um, you name it. When it comes to underground weirdness and outsider art, infinitropolis.com was all about it. And uh, we all became really dear friends because of this website. And this was pre-Facebook and pre-instantaneous um, on your phone, smartphone um, correspondence. You had to be next to a computer. You had, had to be able to sit and devote time to doing this. You couldn't just sit and like, pick up my phone. Oh, well, somebody texted me. Oh, bop, 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 boom, it's gone. Um, it was a different thing. And because of that, um, because we all, I, I can only speak for, for myself, honestly, uh, we all needed that outlet. Um, because it, at least for me in my normal life, uh, other than my brother Shane and my brother Dan, I really had no one to sit and talk to about this kind of stuff in these kind of films. Um, I was in a band for a while and yes, this is going to be rambly. Um, this is the last episode I'm ever going to do of this show folks. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to work through some stuff. You're going to get an experience that's more like what I've been doing on my Patreon for the last year and a half, which is me just kind of spitting it out there. It is what it is. But anyways, um I was in a band with a friend John Hanusa who was another extreme horror fan. Um we both really dearly loved Italian horror cinema, uh, Argento and Fulci and things of that nature. Um, so I did have at least one close friend that uh, was into this stuff that I could talk to. But, you know, 
I'm a little weird. <laughs> um, for a while, sometimes I thought maybe it was a problem. Maybe I had a screw loose. Maybe there was something in me that um, couldn't be turned off. And I needed more than that. I needed to be able to, because uh, I, I watched movies all the time. And I wanted to be able to talk about that stuff and explore and find new movies. And uh, these message boards satisfied that urge very much so for a long time. And it was great um, because. And how do I put this without getting too personal and too heavy and and divulging more about myself than I than I need to? on a podcast about silly, stupid underground movies. Um, I wasn't very happy in life. I wasn't for a very long time. So this was my outlet in order to escape and uh, go to a place and talk to people that did make me happy. And uh, then after a while, the message board started drying up and social media sort of changed to what it was now. And uh, from there, uh, I changed focus from playing in bands. And then I became uh, somebody who went back to school and got a degree and then uh, got involved in making films and being an editor and doing all this other stuff. So while I didn't stop endlessly watching movies, um, the nonstop talking about them changed from when I was on those message boards and on bloodydisgusting.com and infinitropolis.com. Um, and it wasn't until I met Corey at a film festival and then learned about podcasting to which I immediately gravitated towards because um, I have a, a degree in radio, TV and film. And I used to have, a radio show back in college. Of course I did. Everybody did. Um, I used to have a radio show back in college called the tsunami garage in which I would play heavy metal, big shock to all my listeners, heavy metal, um, surf garage, punk horror. Um, just the, the kind of stuff that you would listen to here on my podcast, Astro radio Z. And uh, I guess you could call the tsunami garage kind of a prototype for this because I, uh, the guy that I was doing the show with Jake, him and I were both fans of this kind of stuff. So we would talk about this from um, every now and again. And I actually kind of liked doing that show. It was, um, you know, you're just kind of speaking out into the airwaves and people would call in and they would listen and they would, you know, want to hear uh, music and they'd record, you know, I guess, what is that? They would request music um, and sometimes we'd have them on. And um, so I guess that that kind of really started uh, maybe triggering something in my brain that I could talk into a microphone because before doing the show and in that clip you heard where Corey had me on. I mean, I had been on previous episodes as a guest talking about Swamphead and other movies and stuff like that, but nothing where I had to be a personality, an ongoing personality, because let, let's face it, folks, social media 
And on anything that we produce, we are kind of putting a personality out there. This is a different side and a different face of us. This was an avenue in which I could kind of be a little bit more outgoing and force myself to be a little bit more outgoing because by nature, I'm pretty shy. I know a lot of people that met that have met me probably wouldn't say that. Um, but I used to be really shy and very self-conscious about a lot of things in my life. And um, it wasn't until I started doing the movies and being involved in bands and really starting to do this show that um, I, I came out of my shell. Astro Radio Z can be pointed towards as the reason I am who I am now. And for better or worse, I guess. Um, I'm very self-conscious about a lot in my life. And Astro Radio Z was was also something that um, at times was a, a very laborious and painstaking thing for me to produce. Uh, I'm sure anybody that attempts to do this kind of thing, or let's take, for example, you, you go to college and you are forced in a com- with a communications degree to take a speech class and you have to attempt to do public speaking. How fucking nervous are you about that, right? Extremely fucking nervous. I know I was. And uh, doing a podcast, even though I'm sitting here, there's just a microphone. I'm talking to myself, essentially. I'm very aware of that this goes out there. And no matter what I say, I'm going to be judged for it. And because it gets posted on social media, people will get back to me about it. So um, this was never a thing like in the original days when I first started with Corey, where we would just talk and it was a, a live radio thing and it would just go out there. When I took over for Corey and I started doing this and I knew I wasn't going to be doing the live show thing, um, I was very self-conscious about the product that I was putting out there and what I was saying and what I wanted to say. And because of that, and because by nature, um, I wanted a level of production value to this. And it's arguable whether I was successful with, with that through the course of this show. I think the early days, maybe up to episode like 15, uh, the show was a little rough. There's a transitional period, and that's to be expected with most of these things. I wanted to have sound clips and I wanted to have play music. I wanted this be more than just a talking voice all the time. It meant that it was an extensive, it had an extensive post-production quality to it and process to it that uh, meant I had to devote a lot of time to not only coming up with things to talk about and try to talk about them in a succinct and intelligent manner, but which I don't know if I was successful with that at all, but um I also had to sit and devote a lot of time to editing these two, three hour, four longer hour long episodes. So a lot of other things in my life started being pushed aside in order to do these um shows. And I think over the course of the years, 
Um, it became more and more when I decided I was going to do this on a weekly basis and uh, it completely took over my life for a while. And I think where we're at today here, episode 126 of Astro Radio Z, I have come to a point where I no longer feel the desire to go through that anymore. That's not to say that I no longer feel the desire to want to talk about movies. That's I I have a feeling that's never going to go away. But I no longer have the desire to go through the laborious process that is Astro Radio Z. Is that me giving up? Sort of. But I think after the last six years of my life um, doing this, I want to have a bit of my life back and learn to appreciate just being a media consumer again, as opposed to being somebody that consumes media to have to always analyze it and always have an opinion about everything. I don't want to have opinions about everything. Sometimes I just want to watch shit and have it, go over my eyeballs rummage around in my head for maybe five, 10 minutes and go away. And Astro radio Z after a while didn't allow me to do that. And it's been nice. Um, kind of letting that happen again. So, uh, before the last episode on red spirit Lake came out, I came to the decision and not to the shocker of a lot of people, because after I announced that I was going to stop, uh, producing Astro Radio Z. A lot of people came to me and said, yeah, I could kind of tell that you were there. I know over the last year and a half, uh, there have been instances where I've halted production on this. And it's because slowly but surely, this little imp in the back of my head was saying, you need to really, you just got to stop doing this. Why are you still doing this? I was mostly still doing this because I was getting such overwhelming positive feedback from you guys. And I loved that you guys were enjoying the show. I was too, but I think a lot has happened in the last four years of my life. That now's the time where things are starting to become normal again. And even though I do have time to do this show, I kind of don't want to anymore. So, I also don't want to produce a show that's forced for you guys, the listeners, all those people that came up to me and expressed their love and adoration for the show, which I mean, don't take it like everyone in the world was coming up to me and, and sucking me off or anything like that. But I mean, the, the people that did take their time and write me something or come up to me at Wasteland and, and talk to me about it, it made me feel good. So I'm sure that's why I kept I kept on going and I appreciate everybody that has expressed their love for Astro Radio Z. It's been such a tremendous, huge part of my life for the last six years. And um, when I made the decision, I know this is long winded and I I keep diverging onto other paths, but bear with me. That's just how this thing's going to be. I know when I made the decision before episode 126. 
I was just going to end it at 126, uh, the Reds or 125, the Red Spirit Lake episode. It took me almost three weeks to edit that episode because I couldn't stand the sound of my own voice. <laughs> That's entirely the reason why, <laughs> which is probably a good, good reason to end doing this show. I I felt like I wanted to uh, fi- put a final co- uh, nail in this coffin and give you guys a proper final episode of Astro Radio C. So what you're going to hear today, and I know that took a long time to get to this point, is kind of a, a goodbye, a big final explosion of Astro Radio Z. There's going to be a lot that's going to go on in this episode. It's going to be really long. So if you don't want to listen to a bunch of self-congratulatory nonsense, then don't listen to the episode. But I'm going to be playing a ton of music for you this episode because a little while back I was nominating you. It's one of those Facebook gimmicks where people um, nominate you to divulge like your top 10 favorite movies of all time. And we did an episode, I think it was episode 15 of the episode, like the, the 15 movies that um, will stick with you the rest of your life. Um, this episode, I'm going to do the top 10 albums, uh, my favorite albums of all time, which I just did on Facebook uh, like a couple weeks back. So um, we're going to have that going on. I'm going to have a segment with Mark the Movie Man where we both, for the last time on Astro Radio Z, talk to each other because he has literally been my right hand man and uh a number one guy here on the show and he's been with astro radio z almost as long as i have so we're gonna have one last big section where mark and i are going to talk about some bullshit i'm gonna have some uh call-ins from some some of the past guests and they're gonna say goodbye uh then uh there's gonna be some segments auto that are just kind of random and weird and I might talk about some movies. I might talk about ghoulies. I might, I don't know what the, I know I'm going to talk about demon war. Holy shit. I just saw that gimmick at a fucking cinema. Ugh, I can't even speak cinema wasteland. And that thing was hot fire. Let me tell you about that fucking shit. But anyways, this is going to be a showstopper, huge extravaganza. The final episode of Astro radio Z. And uh, we already started the top, 10 albums of all time for Derek. And it started with Morphine's Cure for Pain. And I played a song from that, Bueno. And coming up next, I'm going to play a song from a band called the Motel Creeps that uh, from the early 2000s, from an album called The Gifts of Happenstance. So I hope you dig this thing. You should go check it out. Any of the music I'm going to play tonight, go buy it if you enjoy it. It's it's all awesome. I think it's all awesome. I don't care if you like it or not. I fucking love it. This is some of my favorite music of all time. Why? Um, and it, and some there's going to be some new stuff on here because I think as as I always said on the show, um, I don't like to give favorites, but I mean obviously there are things that you like more than other things. Um, and it, they constantly change. And at this point in my life right now, this is the kind of stuff I listen to. I know I, I play a lot of 
heavy metal on Astro Radio Z. But um, that's not the only stuff I listen to. <laughs> so you're going to hear all sorts of different styles of music tonight. But OK, so the second song you're going to hear is from the Motel Creeps. And when we come back, we'll talk about some other nonsense. I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be a surprise. You're going to have to keep listening. So uh, thank you for all the years of listening to Astro Radio Z and putting up with my nonsense. I love you guys to death. So I hope. You love and dig this episode because I wanted to say goodbye to you guys. You mean a lot to me. Astro Radio Z has meant a lot to me, a tremendous amount. Um, so let's dig into this track and we'll be back.
They're all fucked up. So, Seth, we're here at Cinema Wasteland. This is this is the final episode of Astro Radio Z. I'm going to get you to give your final opinions on this access termination gimmick because Sean here, for some goddamn reason, feels the necessity and the need to bring it up on this season-ending, show-ending extravaganza. Why are you bringing this up on my goddamn podcast? I need a conclusion. No, you don't. <laughs> Why do you want to talk about access termination? Sometimes? I don't want to talk about it. I just want you to talk about it. Why do you want me to talk about it so damn bad? Because I like to watch you suffer. Why do you like to watch me suffer? Because I'm an asshole. No, that's true. Is he an asshole? That's true. Yeah. yeah, this has been verified by everyone around. Yeah. So, it's been decided. So, is that movie hot trash or is it good? It's better than it should have been. What about this gimmick we just walked out of? We just saw... Uh, I don't even know who directed that thing. I don't know. Mac, who directed that movie we just got done watching? Mac can't speak. He doesn't know English. He doesn't know the English language. Yeah. Wow, this is engaging radio, folks. Who, do you know who directed that thing? I don't know. I know one of the seven titles. What's one of the seven titles? Guarding Evil. Is that what it was? Something like that, yeah. Okay. Well, this was, I'm glad I took out my phone for this. This was. This is engaging radio. This is the best segment I've ever had on my... I've been doing this podcast for seven years. This perhaps is the shining, crowning achievement of the entire fucking kit and caboodle, Seth. I'm glad that I brought you on this thing. I'm glad the show's dead. Yeah, me too, actually. This is going to be the greatest moment of my entire miserable fucking life. <laughs> Another exciting episode, issue, edition, zip, uh, damn, thing, above, <laughs> my rack, <laughs> the bottom rack, uh, you know, bottom shelf entertainment for your top shelf lifestyle, for the discerning auteurs, or the masochists, in this case, not for just people who are interested in maybe alternative types of cinema, you just get tired of the usual, so uh, anyway, I don't know where I found this movie, I can't quite remember because I didn't find it at the bottom shelf at Walmart, <laughs> which is where I usually peruse. Uh, can't remember. But let me set this thing up. Certain styles, to me, have always seemed to go well together. They fit well together. Uh, Sherlock Holmes and steampunk, or especially Sherlock Holmes and the Cthulhu Mythos and the H.P. Lovecraft stuff, the weird fiction, for some reason, that Victorian setting really works well with the weird fiction and the, you know, gothic horror type stuff. It just, Sherlock Holmes versus anything, I mean, I'm a Sherlock Holmes fan, but uh, certain styles seem to lend with each other, they just blend very well with each other. Um... Another one that I can think of offhand is like noir with uh, weird fiction, <laughs> kind of like Max Payne, stuff like that. But another one, the one, the point of this is World War II 
and black magic, World War II and zombies, World War II with the Third Reich secret satanic rituals and stuff, uh, speaking more specifically like Wolfenstein, remember the old Wolfenstein 3D? Um, not the newest, not the New Order, which was a terrific story, but I'm talking like the one before that one, Wolfenstein, or even way back when, Wolfenstein 3D and its sequel, The Spear of Destiny, where it was, it dealt a lot with black magic and with occult, occultism, and uh, it dealt along those lines. To me, those have always, that's always gone well together. And one of my favorite examples for this, other than Wolfenstein, would be Nazi zombie, when I call it something, I call it Nazi zombie monsters. I call it that because of my son, just, you know, some kind of a dad thing, just to say something cute. But it's uh, Sniper Elite, Nazi zombie army. Those games are fun. <laughs> Those games are really fun. I highly recommend them if you like that type of stuff. It just, it's really cool. But that's why I watched Soldiers of the Damned. I was thinking that it was going to be Nazi Zombie Monsters, the movie. Kind of like Outpost. Unfortunately, it was... I say unfortunately because I don't want to cast it. I don't want to cast aspersions on it. Again, they made the movie and it's a very good film. But it's not what I wanted. It's the same as that movie Outpost. Or Outpost 2 or 3 or 8. It, it turned into a damn franchise. And the reason I say that is because just go into this knowing that damned is just a catch word. It's just a clickbait title to get you to watch the movie. It has nothing to do with zombies. It's got nothing to do with the gates of hell. And if it does, it's so obscure that it doesn't even matter. So Soldiers of the Damned is a film. And let me, I've got it on IMDb just to kind of give you the reader. Again, I don't know where I found this or how other than the title, obviously, caught me. I was like, ooh. It came out in 2015. It was written by Mark Nuttall. Nuttall. Uh, no, that's the director, Mark Nuttall. The writer's Nigel Horn. It's an English film. British, I guess I should say. And it takes place in World War II. It takes place on the Eastern Front in 1944. And it'll pull up a little you know, prelude to this whenever you watch the movie. Your typical World War II prelude thing showing the, the Nazi march and then the way this is going, though, is that the Russians are now marching toward Germany. And so you got the Germans having to retreat from the Russian lines. And it mentions, uh, I think it was Himmler, not, I don't care. It mentions the certain occult research that was going on in the, the Third Reich. And it's, I think it's called like the Abernaba or something, something whatever, the occult department of the SS. And it mentions that. So the long and short of it, you've got a team of Germans who are sent to go get some sort of artifact. They never really touch on it, some sort of relic or artifact that would help the Third Reich. Now, that's kind of what makes this movie very, I mean, special. <laughs> that sounds pandering. It's what makes this film very unique in that you don't see this. I haven't seen this except for The Keep, in that the protagonists of this film are Germans. <gasps> They're Nazis. Oh no, run for the hill. I know, it's, it's awful. But it again, I like that. It shows there were humans even in the Third Reich. It doesn't glorify anything and it takes them just as antithetical to the Nazi party. But it also makes it a really cool story. Just like the Keep. You have various factions that even though they might be a part of the German army, 
they don't necessarily hold those ideals of those with whom they follow. So it's very cool. I, and I have to give it points for that because it's very unique. A lot of gore, good gore, pretty good stuff. It was filmed. I'm not as a, I'm not a filmmaker, so I don't know the styling other than the fact that the camera work was very nice, except for some of the exterior shots. It's almost like they had to use a different camera. I think, um, you can tell the difference. You can also tell that this is an independent film. I have no real way of explaining that other than when you watch it, you're going to be able to tell it's an independent film. The actors, when I say this about the acting, I do not mean this as a slam. So do not think that I am insulting anyone at all with this. But when you watch this movie, these people aren't actors. Now, they might be actors that might be their professional calling. What I'm saying is, and this actually lends to it and makes it nice because these people come across as normal people. I could meet any one of these people in public, and other than the fact that they would speak with an English accent, I would know they're not from around here. But they, they look normal. They're just nice. But there's nothing fake about any of these people other than their uniforms. It's kind of endearing, actually. The sincerity with which the film was made kind of made it cool, but unfortunately, it's just, it wasn't what I wanted in a film, so I can only grade it, you know, from that aspect, to where it's not like, oh my god, it wasn't anything like that. Uh, the concept itself was kind of predictable. Once you found out what happened, the unfortunate thing is, is that certain key elements, <laughs> they never really explain, like going to get a relic, but they never kind of, they never really tell you what the relic is that they're supposed to go and retreat to go and get they never tell you what the relic does they never really tell you why um so yeah there are certain <laughs> certain things they left out but on the whole it it was an enjoyable film i mean i didn't outright hate it other than the fact that i was just disappointed um that's the main thing it's like look when i watch i'm wanting some hardcore nazi zombie monsters you know i want to see swastikas with pentagrams spray painted <laughs> spray painted <laughs> i want to see swastikas and pentagrams and just religious and, and it just, i mean it just sounds awful but you know what i mean and i want them all over the place and i want glowing eyes and i want some demonic chanting in german and stuff like that and if you don't know what i'm referring to then you just need to play wolfenstein or you need to play nazi zombie army uh, sniper elite Nazi zombie army and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about uh, it just I don't know it's really cool it's kind of like a World War 2 version of Doom uh, and yeah that's about it <laughs> World War 2 version of Doom unfortunately Soldiers of the Damned was not I will not tell you not to watch it that would be an insult It. I was not cheated I went into this full well knowing that it was not a blockbuster film that's fine however the per the people involved with this made a film, and it's very cool. If you are an independent filmmaker, you should watch this. You really need to see. You can watch it, and if you laugh at it, you're just a jerk. <laughs> or maybe just having a good time. But if you watch it, you can understand, especially if you're a filmmaker, you're going to understand how tough it would be to make a film like this. And so I recommend you watch it. If anything, get some tips for the gore or for some pacing. Uh, the the settings, man, where they filmed this thing was Pretty freaking awesome. A uh, lot of good locations that they used, even if it mostly was in the woods. Still, very gorgeous landscape. So, uh, yeah. Soldiers of the Damned. Um, 
It's not what you think it's <laughs> It wasn't what I had hoped it would be. But on the whole, it was okay. But hey, I mean, it was bottom shelf entertainment. I knew what I was getting into whenever I got into it. So anyway, until next time, uh, we'll talk about something else from the rack. My rack or your rack or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> thanks a lot for listening. Goddamn Blaze Bailey. We're in Jamesville, Wisconsin. What do you think, Blade? Are you primed or ready for this shindig? I'm primed. I'm ready. I'm feeling real. So, are you uh, excited about this show? You see how the crowd is really fucking hyped. I am the most excited of the five people that are here. The, the, the six people that are at this show. Oh, I forgot to include myself. So, what is the tune that you want to hear the most that Blaze Bailey's going to play tonight? Oh, Future Real, because it's so real. All right. Well, we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about this when Corey J. Utler comes out here. Because oh, I'm, I'm sure everyone listening to this is waiting in anticipation for him. Yeah, because he's only pissed like 16 times already. <laughs> Seems how we're all 65 years old. So... Time. So we're back. We're back. Kids oh, Crap Radio and Blaze oh, Bailey Jesus. tonight. Christ. Corey J. Elder comes out from his 16th piss of the night. Yeah, How are you doing? I had to take a piss. See, that's the whole thing. It's my way or the highway, and I had to take a squirt because the whole gimmick is you don't buy beer, you rent that motherfucker. I don't know what language you're speaking, but you said something. I said something brilliant. I said words that the people want to hear. I do not speak fake news. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> my diaper. I was too. What was that? I don't remember that. I was always like. I was gone. I, like, I didn't shit myself. Will you change me, Daddy? <laughs> you know what's funny? Of course I will. We legitimately I mean, had a dad and daughter on that episode. And we were respectable to them, but the moment they walked away, we were fucking Oh, fools. we were just garbage. We were just absolutely garbage human beings. Okay, so what the deal is here, we're going to try and hijack the, the Pot of Thunder guys tomorrow uh, and dog. get them on Kiss dog. Crap Radio I'll tell you what, here, here's the fact of the matter. We came up with the idea that what, what we wanted to do as a trio was go through the Vinnie Vincent records, the Bruce Kulick records, and do our own sort of pot of thunder with the solo album stuff. Nobody's ever thought of this Nobody idea. ever thought of this idea. And then I totally mentioned original. it, I mentioned it, and now they want to do it. So my gimmick is, if they want to do it, they either have to have Blade on, Derek on, or myself on, or a combination of the three. Or there needs to be a steel cage match. I'm in. I'm in. First blood. Woo! What do you think? Can the Midnight Rose get in on this gimmick? Yes. Steel Cage, you heard it here Simply first on Kiss Crap Radio. Pot of Thunder, Steel Cage man match. Few man of few words, which is ironic considering that we're talking to a man of not few words. 
<laughs> happy we're I'm getting I'm, me and you know what? Photo I'm, taking yeah, one. we're getting our Jeez. photo with Gene. I'm very happy about all of these it. guys can go fuck a duck. Because we're splitting. We're splitting. Barter. Get in. Hey, you know Here what? I thought I thought genuinely you guys were my bros. You had my back. I thought we you do would, have your back. You, you because, got shit. No bullshit. You got my my because asshole. I think I think that we can figure out a way to get all of us in on this gimmick and get all three of us with the picture. But what we're you were about gonna, to we're say, gonna try. We're okay, gonna try. enough of the nonsense. What were you about to say, though? What, what if we think? If we threw $180 down, then it's done. Are you going to throw 60 in? Oh, yeah. I'll done. do it. I'm done. In. Then it's done. It's Maybe an easy we'll one. Money's so, money, right? Money's money. And Gene is a The proportion Gene. is the same. Yeah. Then we're in. All three of us get a picture with Gene tomorrow. Well, I ain't home no picture for you, jackasses. I'll tell you that right now. It's a professional photo op. There's nothing like that. No. There's a professional picture. You're either getting it printed out or you're getting a digital download. There ain't no, there ain't no fucking cell phone. No, no, no. That ain't horse ass. All right, boys. I've sucked through this thing. You're going to have to one? roll me out to the fucking hotel. You another one? Oh, yeah, I got you one got, more. Better get one more for Blaze because he's Blaze an hour and a half. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So let's look at this set list we got going on here, boys. Blaze is, looks right, like he's playing look. one, hey, two, wait, three, four, five, six, You're seven, eight, nine, ten, Blaze. eleven, twelve, You're thirteen, fourteen. To the set list. Fifteen fucking songs Blaze Bailey is gonna play. I see Klansman's on there, Future Real, uh, Lord of the Flies. I mean, this is solid. Blaze Bailey, Iron Maiden, circa 94, 99. Plus the Blaze Bailey solo stuff, which is solid. Yep, yep. But uh, to have all of this great Blaze Bailey Iron Maiden. And to anybody who is uh, to take a shit on the Blaze Bailey Iron Maiden output, you're fucking fake news. Fake news. Anybody who fake takes news. a shit. Anybody who news. takes a shit on Blaze Bailey Iron Maiden, you're a douche. And fake fucking news. Hi, this is Andrew Shearer from Gonzerific, and if you've listened to Astro Radio Z a lot in the last four years, you've probably heard me once or twice, maybe even more than that, hopefully saying something that was worth hearing. I'm kind of self-conscious about it, because I, uh, I grew up reading 
Fangoria Magazine, Gorezone Magazine, Film Threat Magazine, Trans World Skateboarding, Thrasher, The Source, XL, Rip, Metal Edge, just a lot of, you know what I mean, stuff like that, and as I got older, there's more Psychotronic and Video Watchdog and Fact Sheet 5 and Research Publications, and for some reason, I retain all of this stuff instead of, like, the most practical things, like, I can't remember, like, addresses, phone numbers, birthdays, I'll all, I, I have to look up every time I drive to place, I never remember directions, I'm just... I don't know why my mind is wired the way that it is, but I feel like I wish I could trade some of this cold film stuff that just hung in my brain from all those years of Joe Bob Briggs and USA Up All Night and Real Wild Cinema. I wish I could trade some of that for like just a quarter of the practical knowledge that the average person has. But I, but I, I'm stuck with it for whatever reason. I'm just, I'm wired this way. My brain is wired this way. And in life, there are few moments, especially as an adult, where that knowledge is called upon and where I feel like I am useful, that my mind is useful, that my memory bank is of, of use to anyone. And those times happen most often as a guest on Astro Radio Z. I have loved over the years talking about weird movies. I've loved over the years revisiting ones that I hadn't seen in a long time or watching ones that I'd never seen. And that is what I feel like is one of the great values of the show. Not just because um, cult film should always be part of the film conversation, but because old movies should always be part of the film conversation. Um, you know, we don't want to become a culture to where we just go to all the most new stuff and recent stuff and have to keep talking about what's new and keep up with what's new. You don't have to do that. You'll burn yourself out. You'll disappoint yourself and you'll lose your zeal for watching movies and being a movie fan. And you'll become one of these negative, cynical pieces of shit that populate the Internet. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. The great thing about Astro Radio Z not only is. Derek, who's the host, who's the backbone, who's the spine, the heart, the brain, all of that of this show, and who we like to talk to, and who, whether or not he wants to admit it, hits so many great moments of, like, transcendent clarity in the most oddball and latest and most burnout of circumstances sometimes, and I really got a lot from hearing him and from him, his perspective, and it was always a fun discussion even when we didn't necessarily like what we'd seen. It never felt like a useless thing to be doing. It always felt like we were contributing to not only a great conversation and a greater understanding of film and a greater appreciation of all kinds of movies, but particularly some of the really trashy ones but also adding to um, the air of positivity and adding to the archive that is the internet of film information. There are movies that were talked about on Astro Radio Z that frankly were never talked about before and may never be talked about again, and we have created that archive. There's going to be some college student writing some research paper that's going to Google to see if they can find any information on, like, you know, The Howling 3 or something, or or Red Spirit Lake, or one of the witchcraft movies, or Vice Academy, and we're going to go like, 
Whoa, man. Here's these people talking about video violence, too. I didn't think anyone would talk about video violence, too. The Internet truly has everything. It didn't truly have everything until this show started. And it will truly be missing something once it stops. But in the creative world, we know that there's never really an end to this stuff because we can never really point at where the beginning is. So I feel like in some way, the conversation will continue. And if not new, then through the old. Because just like watching old movies is important, Listening to old podcasts, not a bad idea either. I want to say thank you for everyone who just listened to what I said. I want to say thank you to everyone who listened to me on any of the Astro Radio Z recordings, whether it be a participant, one of my fellow panelists, who are all wonderful, or um, someone who just subscribed and happened to listen and wade through what I had to say. Thank you for all that. But most importantly, thank you, Derek, for bringing me on in the middle of the night when I was a brand new parent and wasn't getting any sleep and was worried that I was losing all of my knowledge to sit for three or four hours and talk about every single Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I'd been preparing for that since I was about 12 or 13 years old, and I thought the moment was never going to come, and it finally came. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Derek. And um, thank you, Astro Radio Zombies. And um, to the future, right? To be continued, right?
last year, and this is something that happens all the time <sighs> through the course of uh, my run on Astro Radio Z, was I would set up ongoing shows that I wouldn't follow through on. <laughs> Some of them I did follow through on. I mean, we had uh, the ridiculously super overtly dumbly popular horror porn parody episodes that we did three of. <laughs> and I set up like I was going to do a series of ghoul summer episodes. Thank fucking God. That's not going to fucking happen. <laughs> um, I set up like I was going to talk more about fucking uh, puppet master. Thank fucking God. That's not going to happen. And I set up this last year during Christmas that Mark, Doc, and I were going to, for the next three years, actually four years, I think it was, because there's a remake, we're going to talk about the It's Alive movies. So seeing how we are closing the fucking coffin door, we're flushing the toilet, (laughs) we're, we're fucking running off into the sunset, we figured, why not say goodbye and wrap up at least one of those those threads that are just going to run off and just die. Kind of like, you know, Twin Peaks, what happened? With, oh, wait, no, they did finish that off. Wait, or did they? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, so tonight for our last episode, the last time Doc and Mark the Movie Man and I are going to sit and talk about movies on Astro Radio Z. Uh, maybe on Astral Radio Z after dark. Maybe maybe that's where we'll go. But oh, right. <laughs> ooh, yeah. Um man, I sound like I've been smoking about 15 packs. But so tonight we're gonna wrap up this fucking gimmick and talk about It Lives Again, which is It's Alive Part Two, and It's Alive Part Three, Island of the Alive. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You all right there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll be honest with you. This is how this is going to go, boys. It Lives Again is downright the most pointless fucking movie I've ever watched. (laughs) Nothing fucking happens in that gimmick. And I really have nothing to say. Doc, what do you have to say about this thing? Um, To anybody who wants to know what I have to say about this, go back and listen to part one. It's pretty much the same goddamn movie. Uh, exact same fucking movie that gimmick is the dumbest piece of shit i was like at first i'm like oh okay well this is a a quaint little setup then all of a sudden an hour and 15 minutes later fucking nothing happens pretty much like the first one it's a lot of neat ideas that they don't do anything with just like the first one no yeah the monster footage is all the same monster footage from the first movie i think it pretty much was (laughs) almost there's a fucking shot in the third movie used supposedly it's supposed to be taking place in a jungle is from the first fucking movie you know you know what my favorite part of this movie was was when like uh the mom or the wife uh, goes to the movies with her mom and they're watching Enter the Dragon because Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee are on the screen at the same time. I'm like, ooh, this movie just got, oh, they turned the camera away from the screen. Shit. <laughs> that was the best part of this film. Yeah. This movie was sad. That too. This movie was, this, I, I had no idea. I mean, first, the, excuse me, first the opening of this is there ha- 
this couple. I know it's what the eighties, late seventies, because it's like what ten years between no, that, sequels. It's, it's so seventy eight. The yeah, third one almost, was like nine years that's later right, than yeah. That's right. The second one. Second one's only a few years later, but still, folks, you're having a shower <laughs> for your baby. And you're sitting there, and there's all these people, and all your guests leave, and there's a creepy dude in the corner sitting there. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a casual conversation with this gentleman of why the hell he's in my house and what he's doing there. They do this. I'm like, wait, wait, seriously? You don't know who this guy is at all, and and you're just having this kid. Oh, well, that's great. I'm glad you came to it. Who are you, by the way? Oh, really? You know, <laughs> and it just... It made no sense. They tried really hard to connect it to the to the first one. They brought uh, the crazy guy back. They brought uh, Frank, who, who uh, you know, threw Frank, who threw the baby puppet <laughs> in the first one. He threw it. But they were, they were showing the old footage of like, are they going to show him throwing the baby puppet again? Because please show that. <laughs> yep. You know, so they got it happened. And then they got the cop who shot him. I'm like, which yeah. one? But apparently there's one main one who shot the baby. And suddenly he's an expert on mutant babies. Because he shot one. Uh, and there's supposedly a secret underground group going around <laughs> because they've implied other babies. And we missed the Seattle baby that was. Implied oh, the the, isn't, the isn't that the most fucking like pants skirting piece of shit part of this movie is that they set up that you're going to see you know first one ends with oh there's another one in seattle we totally missed that it completely happens off screen for years yeah oh it's bullshit like what were they thinking this entire movie what were they thinking well the thing is though that it's not even like they're complete i mean one of the characters here was involved with the Seattle incident. I'm like, why didn't we see the Seattle incident? And you save this shit with the two baby cult thing, whatever in the third one, you know, you could have really done something different they, with this, they, but you're right. Nothing happens in this film, except a lot of car driving. They didn't do anything with this one. What made you think this would have been better as the third film? <laughs> I, I don't yeah, know. I agree with that statement That's wholeheartedly. As much, you know, they could have done that as the beginning of this film. It would have worked out better. Turn it into a. Well, look, I, if I was honest with you, boys, I could not tell you like what you've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Barely like logs a blip in my memory. Oh, I understand that. <laughs> like, I have I have never so passively watched something to where it cascaded over my eyes and was vaporized instantly inside of my brain. This is the worst. <laughs> this movie is just nothing. It is absolutely nothing. It's a waste of every single human being's time on the face of the planet. You've seen the first movie. It lives again is the same fucking movie with more mustaches. <laughs> That's it. That's, the, that's fucking it. Worst ripoff yeah. of the X-Men ever. <laughs> oh, it's just terrible. Just <laughs> fucking awful. So let's let's move on and talk about a movie that actually nope. is worth a pinch of fucking shit. Hang on. We got a note. Wait, 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 you got something. What is there to talk about? I took notes. <laughs> <laughs> I got right, There's a couple. What of are these notes? No, there's a there's what because. There, there's a point where they're they're trying to get you know the, the the mother gets taken to the hospital and they take come in with the truck and they're gonna save oh my the god baby. yes 
And he comes in with one. They've got like an entire squadron of cops there. He pulls out one gun and all 50 cops are like, well, we better not shoot him. <laughs> no, so I wrote I wrote down one guy with a gun is worth more than 50 cops. And then as they're going to leave, he goes, he's like talking, like trying to ease everybody's, you know, as they're getting in the truck, he goes, no crime has been committed. Pretty sure threatening somebody with a gun is a crime, dude. Yep. <laughs> he, who lives, he who lives by the mutant baby died by the mutant baby. <laughs> You're missing my favorite part that's just before that, the one part that actually made me chuckle. Oh, they're not going to let you in. They're going to be surrounded. How are you going to go in if you're not a doctor? He's like, ah, leave that to me. Get me a clipboard and a doctor's bag. Yep. (laughs) That's it, right? That's his disguise. Never mind his face. No, he's able to walk into this hospital surrounded by cops with a clipboard. And while I I believe in the problem, in in the, in the, if you have a clipboard and you look like you belong, that people will let you in places. This is a guy who was apparently on TV and in magazines and in newspapers. Yeah. At a time, a national celebrity where there weren't those every other week, they would have recognized him. (laughs) He at least, I was really hoping he put on another mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's be honest. He weaseled his way into a fucking baby shower and sat there like a creep in the corner for two hours and nobody noticed him. Until, except for the lady who was hitting on him to say, hey, why don't you yeah. take me home? And had a baby. Like, oh. was, had a baby shower. <laughs> you know, she was planning for the next shower. I Apparently. guess. I don't know. Well, you do have more mutant babies in this one and more people grabbing said mutant puppet and fighting with yeah. it like it was. You know. Mark, though, yeah. almost like 60% of the footage of the babies in this movie is from the first movie. Yeah. Well, and we barely even get to see them except barely in a, in a cage. Pretty much like the first one in that yeah, regard. You know, it's yeah. they, they gave Rip Baker a credit just because he designed them and they <laughs> reused all his footage. How, how did you... What I don't get is how you didn't learn from the first movie, how you just like literally churned out the exact same fucking movie again and didn't think that anybody would actually want to see the fucking monster at all. Yeah. yeah. Or at least, you know, a little bit more of a no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You're right. There's not a lot happening in this movie and, and there's a lot of puppet wrestling. And of course, there, there is the bed scene <laughs> where, where the puppet, uh, the, the monster sneaks into the bed of that one guy and it looks like he's got a huge raging heart on <laughs> baby in bed with him that eats him, but that he fights with, you know, kind of like, wait, he had a heart on. No, no it looked like it. Cause it's sheet tented. You know, you know, what's better than that scene? Hmm. Seen in something weird where the dude is actually fighting with the bedsheets that are trying to kill him. Yes. yes. <laughs> at, least, at least you see the bedsheet that's trying to kill him. Yeah, you don't see nothing because everything's a cutaway to a shot from another movie. Exactly. And again, they had an idea they never went with. They're talking about, oh, we've got a baby, Adam and Eve here, and they're going to start a whole new species. And that's great. And it's about five minutes of this entire movie. And then yeah. it just gets totally abandoned there's some really interesting world building but there's no story to put on it no it's like all the background stuff that they're talking about i think you're 100 percent dead on all the background stuff sounds great but guess what 
We don't see any of it. No. What we see are this couple that are arguing about the same exact fucking things that happened in the first movie. The only difference it's is she doesn't like, get hopped up on medication the whole time like the other lady. Oh, God. Well, I'm, well, I'm assuming is dead. He, you know, of course like, she is. How's your wife? He goes, oh, she's recovering. I'm like, that woman is dead. We don't see her. She hasn't come back. She's dead. Well, he obviously doesn't give two shits about her because he's traveling all over the nation, just like petrifying all these people that are having babies because she's dead. He doesn't have her to go home to. He's ah, oh, she's fine. I don't want to bum you out anymore. And I already have. You're going to have a creepy mutant baby. Just so you know, might kill your doctor. We should probably do something about that. <laughs> and then he turns them into the same people. Yeah, at the end of the movie, the worst Xavier, <laughs> and and like the the guy who's like, well, it's not quite Magneto because he's trying to kill the mutant babies. He's like getting mauled to death at the end, and they get oh. they shoot the mutant baby off. And he pops up to his feet like, you know what? That wasn't so bad after all. <laughs> what the? <laughs> or you know, you get the scene in there with the the scene with the couple when they get into the bedroom. And they're just there at the new hideout and their baby, their <laughs> mutant babies down in the bed. Yes. And he, she's just literally, she's not 24 hours prior has given birth to a mutant baby driven like eight hours in a car. Okay, folks. And, and she's in, they're in the bedroom together. And what does this guy do? He's like, Oh, Hey baby, I, I need a little love it. And he starts cuddling up to her and saying, give me some, something. And I'm like, oh. dude, really? well, you know why? It's because she lost all that mutant baby weight so fast. Oh my God. Let me just, okay. So this suffers from a quiet place syndrome okay. where somebody has a fucking baby and is immediately walking around all over the fucking place. Like nothing has happened. No, this huge fucking spine tooth clawed huge noggin motherfucker just crawled out of your crotch. <laughs> Let's let's go fucking let's go run around. Let's go drive all over the hey, place. Let's, let's go buy some groceries and then go see Enter the Dragon. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's like fucking uh, that chick from the first witchcraft movie who had who gave birth to a three year old and then started walking up and down steps. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Derek has mentioned the witchcraft films. <laughs> it wouldn't be a, an episode if I didn't. It really would be. Honestly, boys. This is the last call because I don't want to talk about this. Get your notes out. Get your notes, Doc. Final thoughts. Um, don't watch this movie. It's really not worth it. There's nothing really here that advances the story. Just skip it. Yep. Mark the movie, man. It is a vacuous piece of hot trash that you do not need to watch. Ding, 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 ding. Exact thoughts. It's, it's nothing. It's a pile of nothing. It's an empty fucking VHS box on a shelf. That's all this fucking movie is. So let's move on to the third movie of the series, The Island of the Alive, which quite frankly is one of the most ridiculous fucking gimmicks I've watched in some time. Um, yep. Doc, do you want to give a, a plot description as to what the Island of the Alive is about? I'll give this a go. Sure. Um, so it's, it's, we've advanced apparently some years into the future from the last two and in literally and figuratively, cause this movie came out in the eighties. Um, there is a legal battle over what will happen to the mutant babies. Cause there apparently are potentially realistic e- execution squads going to take them out. 
Uh, so there's this tense courtroom scene, uh, which was awesome because it's the dude from uh, Phantom of the Paradise as the uh, antagonist. I like that dude. Uh, yep. Derek Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in there and the dad's able to make friends with his mutant baby in a cage. Uh, so it doesn't kill the judge as soon as it gets out of the cage. So the judge is like, yay, let's find some place for them to be safe. And so they start trucking them out to this, you know, to Gilligan's Island, which I wanted to know how uh, the fuck these mutant babies that were killing everyone indiscriminately, how did they wrangle them all up and put them on the fucking Island? How did this and then happen? expect them to and then expect them to survive because that would be okay. Cause there's, they leave them alone. And then apparently we jump like four or five years into the future. Uh, even though everybody's wearing the same suits and the same haircuts, <laughs> which is fine from the scene before. And, yes. and they pick up on, they pick up on a, a note, uh, a comment that one of the doctors make in the second one that you don't need to see. Cause it's not really that important, but he he mentions them potentially being like, uh, uh, sexually uh, adult in like five years because they're yeah. mutant babies. So mm-hmm. they go, yeah, we're going to do that. Um, so we have mutant toddler babies, which I'm pretty, you know, I was trying to figure out if that was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or like a weird like Muppet Babies cartoon and I couldn't figure it out. Um, so either way, it worked. I was trying to come up with a Teenage Mutant Ninja Mut- song and it didn't work. Um, so first off, there's this incomplete concept of the guy who was selling the drug that created the mutant babies goes to check out the island uh, as apparently some sort of greatest uh, thing, and they all die. It's really stupid because it's not developed. It's, <laughs> it's like it, it kind of reminded me of everybody that goes to this island. It's like if you've seen Annihilation, it's like everybody goes into the shimmer and nobody returns. Yeah. So, they, they so the island know. is like. Let's keep going to this fucking island where it's, nobody fucking leaves. It's it's clearly a really interesting idea that instead of developing for 30, 40 minutes, they take about 10 minutes to do, and then a mutant baby sacrifices himself to blow up the helicopter. No, no, uh, but I'm still... I think the other helicopter survived because it's a completely different helicopter that blows up than when <laughs> it took off. The one that takes okay. off has like orange stripes and it's like black. And the one that blew up is white and blue and looked like an RC helicopter. Just saying. I am so glad that Mark paid that level of attention to the helicopter because clearly he had nothing else keeping his mind. Um, Continuity and consistency are not things that should be discussed while talking about Island of the Alive. So, so at all. So, also, what shouldn't be talked about is you have a protagonist in this movie oh, good god that is literally one of the worst human beings alive he's this guy is a piece of fucking human trash you notice that the only people he looks in the eye are the mutant babies like all the normal humans he like keeps looking over and he keeps talking shit to them the whole time Absolutely. like he's the only one that the mutant the mutant babies which turn into these uh, they look like you remember back in the day you would get those little dolls that were called muscle mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Were the mutant wrestlers? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they look like fucking again. muscle dolls. Or really awful, like, garbage pail kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you Huge actually... fucking heads in, in people, like kids that were obviously in these body suits yeah. with tattered clothes, run, sort of running around, because obviously they couldn't see out of these things, yeah. they, so they couldn't take more than two steps in them. So you see them in short little chunks. 
You bear. I mean, you see a lot more of the monster in this movie than you did in any of the other movies, but it's done so fucking cheaply and poorly that, that it's just like quick cut-ins, and you're supposed to believe that this shit is real. You're supposed to believe that these people are in the same place, and the only guy who could talk to these uh, mutant babies who only speak through telepathy. Um, otherwise, they're like. like <laughs> If you drank every time you heard, raw, raw, you'd be fucking comatose. Um, there's this guy not only talks trash like to every woman on the face of the planet. There's a scene where he's basically a rapist Pretty in cool. front of an entire scientific team. Yeah. I mean, the Me Too movement would have would eat this guy alive. And then when he finally, you know, he's supposed to be the sympathizer for the babies and supposed to be the champion, the, you know, the conduit so that the humans could actually speak to these creatures. And he treats them like shit, too. Oh, well, yeah, we're not even to that point yet, because when they, the scientific expedition goes to get uh, tissue samples, they're going to stun them and then, you know, collect this and run away before they come to, which, of course, doesn't work. And all the mutant babies get on the boat. The only guy who survives, apparently, is the cop from the other two movies, who's also still an expert, who either got a different wig from the other two movies, or he <laughs> dyed his hair early on and then let it go back to gray. So they We haven't even discussed that, the fact that Karen Black is in this movie, it's top build, and she's in it for like three scenes, and one scene... She barfs all over some fucking Guido's car and he sits and yells and screams at her and calls her a bitch while he's on his knees scrubbing his fucking leather seats. That is the worst scene. One of the worst scenes in this film, because there's clearly nothing on that seat. Yeah, it's no. not even that good acting. It's it's not even that good puke acting. Um, but <laughs> puke acting. I'd like to accept this I Academy I wish Award. I known about that term. It's just yeah, I, accept this Academy Award for the Academy. For my puke acting. <laughs> the best puke acting in 1987. know from It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive. They they leave the, the pale Irish cop on the on the island to die of sunburn because he will run out of sunscreen. <laughs> all the all the mutant babies are on the boat because they this time. And they, they the only reason supposedly they leave um asshole Michael Moriarty to survive is because they think he's the only one that can run the boat. He has no clue what he's doing, he says. They end up in Cuba. Not, not a clue. While, while he stows away with half of the mutants on the island, and they're just indiscriminately eating all of the naked bodies of all the crew members that we had never seen before. Here's the, thing. Here's the we, worst part about that, because he's like, he, they, they sell you on the concept of the, ch the mutant children are eating the bodies, that they're cannibals. And then you get to the end, and, and they're like, hey, did you hear about that boat that arrived with all the bodies on it? <laughs> Not skeletons, bodies. Because this movie takes a really, really weird right turn at the end, where a whole time you're trying to think they're monsters, and they give them sympathy at the end so that you feel bad about them. And, of course, they were the good guys the whole time, and it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> the end. And then they all die of the measles because they weren't vaccinated. Take that, Jenny McCarthy! Yeah. <laughs> Isn't, that the, Isn't that the biggest Shyamalama ding-dong fucking gimmick plot twist you ever seen it's in your whole fucking the worlds! <laughs> it's war of the worlds, dude! 
They have the baby and they're all dying of measles. I was just like, this is some ludicrous bullshit. Our grandbaby. Let's take a run. We got no money. We stole the card and they laugh and then it ends. And I'm like, oh, sweet God, you were going to do another one. No, that said, this was the best out of the three. (laughs) Oh, easily the best of the three. Because actually stuff happens in this one. All of the stuff is fucking stupid. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. But at least it was fun. There was something going on. Mark, what do you got to say about this fucking gimmick? It, it was fun seeing Moriarty on here. Uh, the logic that any human takes in, in this film at all is, is ridiculous. But OK, let me back up. I should say to give props. I admire this film for the social commentary it takes on sexually transmitted diseases through the character of Michael Moriarty. When people find out that he's the father of the mutant baby after he has sex with these people, they act like they got the clap. Um, I don't, did he actually get to have sex with that hooker before? I think uh, he did. Yes, did he, he picks did. Up at, did he picks up at the fun fair? Well, <laughs> a woman he picks up at the fun fair. I'm like, no, she picks him up. Yeah, I know. And I, so did he one pump Trump then? Because it looks like they were just getting started. No, no, it was it was later on because they were they were in. He doesn't strike me as round two. He doesn't strike me as a round two kind of guy. (laughs) (laughs) And then they have him selling shoes like he's some Walmart Al Bundy (laughs) running his mouth. He's talking not even at the good shoe store because you realize when he walks out of the mall with the cop, two stores down is another shoe store. He's fucking roundies elbow. So he's not he's not even in the good shoe store. (laughs) That fuck okay, so let's talk about this scene where Michael Moriarty gets picked up by um Roundy's bootleg Lita Ford at the county fair. Mark, Mark, Mark's point is is valid though that they definitely do treat the mutant babies as more like a social disease because it's the eighties. This is this, it, it turning it into a absolutely. metaphor for AIDS. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. They do it really poorly, well, yeah. but that's the well, goal. They do everything really fucking poorly. <laughs> well, you know, so at least they're consistent. <laughs> this is <laughs> okay. Continue, Mark. But, but, Sorry, no, Mark. So Moriarty uh, here. Uh, after he uh because they jump time around in this film like fucking like yeah they they just leapfrogging time there's this thing of that they try to do this with this book where he wasn't going to sell his story but it doesn't matter his manager screws him over so this book is popular but he's not getting any money so he goes to drown his woes or whatever at the the coney island dime store version of it um after he yeah. talked to his ex-wife and suddenly this <laughs> this woman comes up who apparently makes it her habit of picking up guys her johns at the um uh, you know the the um uh, carnival games which right there she should know better because all their money has been spent on carnival games so they wouldn't have any money to pay her for her uh company but she she warms up to him and she literally picks him up at the carnival rides. I, I couldn't believe this scene whatsoever. Like, what the hell is going on? And Michael Moriarty, who I loved in the stuff in this entire film, he looks like he just doesn't want to be there. Agree. He, he comes off this whole movie, this whole time. Like, he's just like, I'm reading my lines there. Was that a take? OK, where's my check? That is Karen Black. 
throughout this entire fucking oh, and movie. Also and her, true. too. Both of them. She, 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 she at least seems slightly engaged. Michael Moriarty, for the most part, does not. You know, I don't know if it's the direction or what, because there's a lot of times where his eyeline, he's not looking at a person at all. I mean, sometimes it makes sense. Like when he's when they have him in the shoe store and he's on his you know knees or whatever like that, because that's the angle that they're shooting him at. You're, everybody else is just feet. But any other time he's talking to a person, he does not look at them. He's always kind of looking off in the distance or looking, you know, I, I think in general, Doc, t- to speak annoying. to your point, I think in general. All three of these movies are very lazily directed. Like there is nothing. There's no flair to the visuals. There's little to no score in any of these movies. Um, There, it's all just like people walking in the frame and just spouting exposition endlessly. Um, More so the first two movies than the third movie. But there is just. The third movie at least tries to do something. This island is a good exploitation gimmick. There's even though half Agreed. the time the um, babies are shown, it's shots from the first movie or it's yeah. some real like they they did like maybe two seconds worth of stop motion of a baby crawling and just kept using it yes. over and over and over again. <laughs> Um, and then I was happy. I was happy for those two seconds. Oh, like, man. Oh, it's gone. Oh, that's why I'm like, oh, awesome. These are going to be stop motion like the ghoulies in part two. This is going to be yes. awesome. This is going to be great. Nope. The nope. fucking fart wind. That shit was fucking gone. Uh, that- well, what's bad with those shots, too, is some of them, you know, you're not even getting the full shot. He like edited it or whatever to cut like just a second of it yep. because you're right. There's like a shot where. It was going to be, I think they were on the boat or something. I'm like, oh, look, stop. Oh, shit. Wait, where'd it go? Yeah. Shit. And it never came back. Nope. It's, a, it's always, a, ooh, oh, that's everything. It, that's every, that, like, these movies you, are, if you want to watch a monster movie where you don't see the fucking monster, that's the It's Alive series. Well, you, you get a little bit of it at the end, but you're looking at their face, and I'm like, okay, finally. And I'm like, yeah, that was not worth it. That was, that was, let me put it like this, getting to see the faces of those creatures, you know, the mutant babies at the end of this movie still made me feel better than watching a Marazilla. What the and fuck seeing, is that? Oh, are you to, talking about American Godzilla? With Matthew Broderick? I have no clue what I just said. Matt True? <laughs> Zilla. That, about Zilla. I, I, I pretend. I, I'm sorry. I don't. I think I mentioned something that didn't exist in this dimension. My apologies. <laughs> but and you fucking say I'm triggered. Hey, that looks kind of cool, you know, compared to. Okay, when is this going to get good? <laughs> it didn't. Good, but it, this is the better of the it, easily the easily the best of the three, though. But that's not saying much. Oh, these fucking movies. I was, you know, I think um, growing up, I had seen these boxes and I was always wanted to watch these and I never did. And I think I had built them up in my head as to that they were going to be something. And watching them was such a soul crushingly devastating experience to my younger self. Like these movies sucked. They sucked 
so fucking hard. Even the third one that I slightly giggled at sucked. Well, these movies were garbage. We didn't even we didn't even mention from two. I know we're talking three, but we didn't even mention for two the literal, literally the first five minutes. You get a boom shot. And it, it's not even remotely hidden. I think they tried to do the color palette so that you could hide the gray microphone, but you could literally see the microphone sticking up from the coffee table. And if you watch it, you can watch it turn from one person to the other as they talk. It was so bad. I'm like, I've seen boom shots before, but that one was like one of the worst. Like they weren't even trying. I'm like, what you shoot this thing is just like, yep, that's a take. Let's go. <laughs> just, but the boom was in the shot. Ah, no one will know. <laughs> I mean, it's not like fucking Dolomite level where the Whoa. fucking sound man's in the fucking shot. Oh, but no. I mean, it's pretty fucking bad. Oh, so we're wrapping this gimmick up here, Doc. What do you got? Final thoughts of this fucking third gimmick. If you got to watch one of these, watch this one. At least stuff feels like it happens, even though it's all goofy and over the top and sometimes annoying. But at least it feels like something happens in this film. The other two, it doesn't really feel like anything really. There's a lot of dread and a lot of world building and no actual story. Just if you got to watch one, watch this one. Better yet, watch something else. But if you want to watch something, watch this one, I guess. I yeah, if you're going to want to watch a creepy, odd monster film. Uh, watch a basket case. <laughs> watch, what? What? Watch basket case. Uh, yes. Watch basket case or or whatever. Watch anything else. Even the third one. The third one you can just watch by itself because it really doesn't have any tie and, and there's nothing at all that you need to see in the first two for this third one. If you want to see an it's a live movie, but you don't have to because other movies have done this concept and done it a lot better um, and with a better story. You know, if you want to see the type of monster that you see in It's Alive, watch uh, the opening to the TV show Monsters. You see a monster in that opening looks almost exactly like the It's Alive critter. OK, and, and you get better stories on that TV show. Anything. This was a tough watch even for me. Um, and I'm usually pretty accepting of things, but this one, I was just, I, I got a lot of rounds of my Yahtzees with friends on my uh, phone because <laughs> I've got the Yahtzee game as well as fish dumb. And I got to feed my fish a lot and I got to roll a lot of dice, virtual dice while watching this movie. And, and you may say, well, how do you, can you get an opinion about that? Blah, blah, blah. This type of movie. No, I, I was checked out of this movie. I was not invested at all. I was like, oh, cool. Karen Black and Michael Moriarty. And after the, after the courtroom scene, I was done because it was a half-finished ideas. And it was just, I did not care. I was like, nobody seemed into it. Everybody seemed like they were doing this because they were maybe under contract or whatever. I don't know. You can tell the difference. But this, this series really... As, as titillating as the boxes might be and the description might be, uh, far more interesting than the actual movies themselves, which are a bunch of half-baked ideas where if you kind of cut them together and put some thought, you probably would have one good solid movie in here. 
I don't even know if I agree with that, Mark. I have a feeling these things, and I could be entirely wrong. I'm not going to research. I don't give a fuck. This is the final episode of goddamn Astro Radio Z. I'm not putting that much work into this gimmick. I'll tell you this. (laughs) I would be thoroughly shocked if they spent more than five days shooting these things. Oh, yeah. No, these were shot. All of these were shot in like a week time. Maybe maybe, um, three a little bit more because they had more locations than house number one and house number two. Um, <laughs> and hospital. And hospital. Uh, the first two are TV movies. They're trying to be so badly TV movies. Yeah. And this one at least was trying to be a little more. You could see it was like, what, nine years later or something like that. Um, yeah. And someone, they had the property and someone was like, oh, we got to make a movie. Otherwise we might lose it or whatnot. Well, let's, let's try it. You know, and, and they just threw something together like pasta on a wall. Um, and, and most of it doesn't stick. Uh, but yeah, it's it's out of those monster series. This is one you can skip because there there is nothing really here. <sighs> Boys. How thoroughly anticlimactic. This final retrospective. It's been. Mark the Movie Man here. If you're having a problem with anti-climax, please try Mark the Movie Man's Climax Cream. <laughs> Guaranteed to send you and your partner to the top of the mountain. Is that for Astro Radio Z After Dark? <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to be for After Dark, but Mark Mark doesn't even know where he is anymore. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's auditioning for a Patreon-only podcast, Astro Radio Z After Dark. So for you people that aren't aware, Astro Radio Z will continue on Patreon.com. If you want to hear any more of Astro Radio Z, go there. It's going to continue. I've already had talks with people. It's going to continue. Just not here anymore. <laughs> and it's going to be much filthier than what this fucking thing is. Um, oh, my. In general, these movies suck. Don't watch them. I'm thoroughly... This this should not surprise anyone. It should it doesn't surprise me that the final movies we decide to watch for Astro Radio Z just turn out to be total piece of dog shit. We could have we could have talked garbage. about the last Puppet Master film. No. Guess what? It got talked about. You heard it earlier in this episode where Mar- where Seth Pollen and I drunk at Cinema Wasteland talked about it for thirty seconds. It sounds 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 about smart, right? right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Join us next time when Astro Radio Z is forced to reconvene when they make more goddamn witchcraft movies. No, that shit ain't gonna happen. That'll be put on to Mark the Movie Man. You want to continue that? Mm-hmm. Gimmick? It's on oh, me, Mark. <laughs> we're gonna. What do we? Are we? Are we gonna do like a WWE thing where we're gonna have an Astro Radio Z segment of the spoiler room? One night stand. <laughs> <laughs> We're we're for like you know the last half an hour of the show. Uh, Astro Radio Z takes over as the spoiler. <laughs> it, okay, the, the Astro Radio Z is not WCW. Settle down. No, no, it's not. It's a lot better than no, the last. It's much better years. than WCW in the last. WCW. Thank you very yes. much. Let's let's stop talking about that. And uh, I just want to say to you two guys, I wasn't at the beginning of the year expecting this to happen. And it just uh, just kind of happened. And uh, Doc, I know you've been a longtime supporter and listener of Astro Radio Z, and I kind of 
uh, horseshoed you into being on the show because <laughs> you've you've mostly been on Mark's show. True, but when you said, "Hey, I'd like to get you on Astro Radio Z," it it it, it, it was a warmth in my heart, and it grew three sizes like the Grinch. So. So there's that, you know, that's why you got that hug. So I was like, yay, I'm a lug. So no, no, this has been a, this is no, I was, I was privileged to be brought up to the big kid table. Oh, I I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Okay. To the, to the dirty table. Yeah. There you go. go. To the the drunk table where nobody wants to talk to the sloppy ass drunks. You, You got to sit down at the table. That one table you have at every wedding where they just sit all the relatives they don't want to talk to in one corner yeah. and just let them enjoy the free and bar. And they're drunk and they're having yeah, a good time exactly. and they're really fun for a while. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Dude, that's usually the table I'm at. At least, yeah, at least for an hour or two and then you go, oh, I need to get going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Homer into the bushes. Yes. I'm Which here. is perfect because Astro Radio Z episodes tend to run out an hour or so and then you're like, you're tired of this shit by now. <laughs> yep, yep. We're done with this shit now. But thank you. Um, but, yes, but yeah, thank Doc. You, I, no, hey, no, thank you uh, for being such a huge supporter of this show and uh, I, I truly appreciate it. Um, and Mark, I don't, I really don't know how to express uh, what you've done for this show and what it's meant to me. And uh, we're going to get sentimental and we're going to get heavy here for a second. But um, this show would more than likely not have gone on as long as it did if it weren't for you. Oh, and I, I, I and that's a hundred percent the truth, Mark, because this the end of this show probably would have happened much sooner. I would have burnt out a lot sooner. But because of your enthusiasm and your uh, tenaciousness <laughs> <laughs> about keeping me on track with this this podcast, um, I, I think. Anybody that that got into this show that contacted me always made reference to the fact that they loved the shows that you and I were on because because you and I obviously are both enthusiastic dorks about this show. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Agreed. But beyond that, um, behind the scenes you've been a really dear friend and I, I could never repay you for the sheer amount of time you've put into the show to, um, I'm trying not to tear up here cause I'm being genuine. Um, you've just really been there for me through the course of this. And, um, I love you, man. I, I truly appreciate that. And it meant the world to me. And I know that the listeners uh, really appreciated it as well. So um, thank you. And uh, I know you still have a podcast that's going on. So a little piece of Astro Radio Z is is still going to be living on. But I just wanted to tell you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything that you've done for this show. Uh, now, Now there is something in the air. You're making things a little misty there. Derek. Um, I'm very humbled because um, I always pulled from you 
energy and ideas and, and things to keep my show going. Um, and, you know, uh, I consider you a, a dear friend as well and being part of your show all the time and, and having my, my rambling ass on the show all the time meant a lot to me and has meant a lot to me to be on this show. Cause, um, I love talking movies and, uh, you know, getting to meet you and, and not just you as a filmmaker, but you becoming a friend because of the whole Ashka meeting at the horror film festival and such. Um, and it's kept me going and, and really helped me with my podcast and, and got me to keep going with podcasting was being involved in your show. And, and it's been an honor for me to be on here um, and that you kept having me back. Um, it, it meant a lot and it, it still means a lot. And so, I mean, it's great run and, and things that have developed here, even behind the, the scenes or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it, never expect any of it, you know, where it's gone. And um, yeah, it's, it's been an honor and, and I'm humbled just to be, be a part of uh, uh, the project. So as it were, and uh, so, yeah, that's same feelings to you, man. Uh, and yeah, we are getting deep here on Asteroids. You deal with it because it's true. It's true. Oh, fuck it. I don't give a shit if people aren't going to. Well, this is the thing is this is. I started, I start this episode. You guys, obviously we're recording this and you guys haven't heard it yet, but I start the episode really heavy. <laughs> so, so this is going to be a, a show that I don't really, this has been a, a part of my life, a very heavy part of my life now for about six, seven years. And, um, I, I didn't come to this decision lightly because it has been such a big part of my life, but I, I feel like for the, the few listeners that really honestly loved this show and they have contacted me, the vast majority of them, I mean, lengthy emails have contacted me. Um, I, I felt that I wanted to say goodbye and, and, and mean it and have it mean something, at least to me. And and give them, let let people know how much this has meant to me. And not only just me, but all the people. Because this show isn't just me. It This show is every single last person that took two seconds out of their day to not only come on here and talk, but to sit and watch endless movies. And like you guys, like you, Doc, you fucking took notes on a movie that I don't even remember just- at this point. If you make it too much like a, don't make it, don't be Terry Funk. That's all I can Just, hey, we're done. But if I want to come back, I can come back, but I probably won't come back. But if I come back, don't call me Terry Funk because it's not a retirement then. It's just we're done because I got other things to do. More important things to do, perhaps, at this point. Because <laughs> if, if there's films to be made, let's make some fucking films, dude. Let's, you, you know. I agree. Talking about that. films is cool, but making films is cooler. I know. More time consuming, but cooler. <laughs> Let's get real for a second. Derek's good. Derek's talking about making movies again. I could potentially work with Derek and work cut with Udler, and then Mark will be jealous as a motherfucker because I'll have gotten to work <laughs> with both of y'all. 
<laughs> well, Sorry, I, the I, truth I is out. No. <laughs> Duly noted. It, no, uh, I'm, looking, in my I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to whatever's next, brother. No, well, I appreciate that. No. And I appreciate all of you motherfuckers that, that did this. And um, to, to the future, my friends. To the future. To the future. Glass up. Drinks. Indeed. I tink. I still have a little tink. drink in my bottle. And um, hugs the next time we see each other, sir. Definitely.
Hi, Derek. It's Paul. I wanted to let you know that I started listening to Astro Radio Z about two years ago, and my most memorable thoughts about the show involved me listening to episodes while at work, because no amount of headphone muffling can hold back the weirdness that is the Astro Radio Z podcast. I mean, between the screams and the don't talk to me music and that devilish grin that the show seems to give me, I think most of my coworkers seem to give me a much wider berth whenever I'm listening to the show. And I'm telling you, while I'm listening to the show, I seem to get a lot more work done. So uh, the thing that I really do love about the show is how refreshingly honest it is. It doesn't try to be funny or insulting to get an audience. And it also doesn't suck up to the films to get any freebies or the attention of any of the filmmakers. Everyone on the show genuinely seems to love talking about films. And I guess I love that. It really does feel like a show for fans, with fans, by fans. I don't want to take up too much of the podcast, so I'll just end by saying I really do look forward to any of the new creative projects that you'll be working on next. We got, we got Blake Braxton. <laughs> what, what was, uh, 
What, what, what were we talking about? Uh, we're talking about how, how we're still going to talk about how you think Unmasked is one of the worst fucking things you've ever heard in your entire life. I, 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 it has grown on me a little more over the years, but She's So European is still a turd. And of course, we're standing here in the crowd, and we, we have defenders of Unmasked. Surrounded by Unmasked apologists. So has that been a record you've listened to quite a bit? That was the first Kiss record I ever bought. That was the first Kiss. That was the first Kiss cassette I ever bought as well. If that would have been my point of reference, I would have liked it more. But mine was Love Gun. What's that? They're probably like around the same age, probably. So like, like, like one of my first Kiss memories is like, oh wow, my first Kiss cassette. Let me pop this in, and it's oh, cats crawling on the bus too. Shake your hips and crack your hips, and that was it. I was, I was hooked. You know. That's the only way to do it, dude. Ever since I heard that song, that's like one of my favorite Kiss songs. Yeah. Ah! Top 10 Kiss songs. <laughs> yeah. My Shandy? I don't know. Shandy? The Australian like Oh, here we are, Gene Simmons about to start. We'll be back after this gimmick. Hey there, Astro Radio Z. My name is Adam. Now, you may be thinking, Adam, I don't recognize this guy. No, you don't. I've never been on Astro Radio Z, but Derek has given me the opportunity to tell you a story. A story about me discovering Astro Radio Z and what it's done for me. I discovered Astro Radio Z back when the Vice Academy Mega Cut hit. I immediately went back and started listening to the back catalog and quickly fell in love with Astro Radio Z and it quickly became my favorite podcast. Not only because it was introducing me to films and ideas that I had never seen before or listened to before, but because I introduced me to Derek Carey and his enthusiasm for these things as well as all of his guests including Andrew Shearer, Scott Davis, Glenn Bittner, Daniel Edenfield, and Mark the Movie Man, all of which I follow now and listen to their respective podcasts, watch their films, listen to the music they put out on a pretty daily basis as it's become a huge part of my daily intake of entertainment. And not only did it introduce me to these people and to some of my absolute favorite media forms, but it also gave me the adult conversation that I desperately crave as a stay-at-home father of two. My day is a mundane process of washing dishes and cleaning houses and cooking and doing all these wonderful things. But through Astro Radio Z, I was able to listen to an adult conversation that was entertaining and fun. Also, besides these conversations, it introduced me to what is now my favorite film franchise, The Howling. Now, many people do consider that to be one of the worst werewolf franchises of all time, but I consider it to be one of the best from the sheer audacity of what they attempt to get away with and what is in those films. Every single film in the original seven is worth listening to. There, There's nothing bad about any of it. Uh, and actually, the... Astro Radio Z mega cut of The Howling is one of my favorite pieces of entertainment medium, period. I listen to it far more times than I care to admit. Which brings me to the reason that Derek asked me to come on and tell you all my story of Astro Radio Z. While listening to The Howling mega cut, I became enraptured with Mr. Clive Turner, the man who is the driving force between The Howling 4, 5, 6, and especially 7. 
I wanted to know more about him and the story behind these films, the story behind his professional career in Hollywood, including his time not only with The Howling, but as an executive producer on the Lawnmower Man films, as his short acting role in the what I believe is an HBO exclusive film called The Apostate. I wanted to know all of it. So I set out into the interwebs to find what I could on him, and it's far and few between, but I do believe I am getting closer and closer to hopefully finding him and getting an interview with him that I can post for those who are interested to listen to. But instead of doing this just as a self-indulgent thing, where I would be interviewing him for myself and no one else, I decided to reach down into my creative juices and write a show. The show that I'm writing currently is called In Search of the Great Virtual Werewolf. It will be a fictional retelling of my search for Clive Turner and the people I've talked to and the things I've had to overcome, obviously embellished to be super cool in a fictional world. It will be set in a futuristic cyberpunk world, as that is one of my favorite settings, and I believe it will work out pretty well, seeing as uh, we have a lot of internet work on this. I am hoping to get the show out within the next year. I don't know when it will be, where it will be, or how it will be, but I do hope to have it out for anybody who's interested as soon as possible. I will keep Derek informed, and hopefully he can let you all know uh, when and where, if he's at all interested in promoting the show. So sorry for the shameless shill there at the end, but I've dreamt of doing that on your show, Derek, ever since I became enraptured with it. But thanks to everybody who's ever been on Astro Radio Z, and especially thanks to you, Derek, for creating the show, having the enthusiasm and the passion that you didn't have to have, but you did, and you put out a wonderful show for all of us, which is why I will be anxiously awaiting your future projects, whether it be music, film, or more podcasts. But that is enough of my rambling. I will let you go. Uh, thank you for letting me indulge in this short shill and be part of your show, uh, even though it does have to be at the end. Thank you so much for what you do, and have a good night, sir.
Daniel, but my friends call me Daniel, so please call me Daniel. And I have been on a journey. <laughs> no, lately I've uh, found myself really enjoying Amazon Prime. Uh, I keep forgetting it's one of those things. It's kind of like you keep forgetting that you have it, you know. And then one day you just look. That's the way it is with Amazon Prime. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. It just I keep forgetting Amazon Prime has music. And I keep forgetting, which I don't, because I listen to Spotify and stuff, so, or CD if I have it. And so I keep forgetting that they have music, and then I keep forgetting that they have movies and TV series, too. Because for the longest time, let's be honest, they had shit. <laughs> I mean, it just, it is what it is. Kind of like Netflix. It's kind of like looking for movies on Netflix now. You ain't going to find anything. Nothing worth watching, you know. So uh, I uh, have been looking on Amazon Prime and have seen that, I mean, they have a plethora of, of movies and when i say this it just <laughs> it is what it is so hell with it. if you get offended then whatever but i mean it's just a bunch of indie films both good and bad but i mean it's like an entire digital bottom rack <laughs> so that's what i've been doing is watching movies on amazon prime and they've got a crap ton of asylum films full moon's even got a presence on there so i mean this just it's really fantastic so i watched recently Exorcist, House of Evil. This one came out, apparently, I'm looking at the IMDb, apparently came out in 2016. Uh, it's, it's just one title, Exorcist, House of Evil. Written and directed by someone named David Trotty. 
And here's the basic gist of the story, the basic rundown. It's based on a true story shot in the real Exorcist house. Now, they had this italicized, so I've got to make sure I hammer this home. The real Exorcist house. A young woman returns to her old family home, the site of an infamous exorcism, and discovers the devil never left. This film was shot in the real Exorcist house. <laughs> so this is twice in the same thing. And during filming, captured both audible and visible paranormal activity, which has been left in the film, giving those who dare to watch a unique look into one of the most infamous homes in America and possibly exposing them to the devil still lurking within. I don't know what to make of such a synopsis, honestly. Um, and I'm, I got to do, again, is when I review these, I'm not doing it from any standing like I'm anyone special. And all I am is just a nerd, and that's it. So when I do this, uh, but just bear that in mind, because this movie really wasn't, <laughs> I mean, it really wasn't all that good. <laughs> I know, God, that sounds awful. It would Look, they made it, and they put a lot of heart and soul into this movie. The actors were fine, except for the, the main actress. She was the main one that kind of pulled me out of it. She's, it's not insulting, it's just she's very wooden. It just didn't really if I just didn't care that much about the story, quite honestly. <laughs> um, and I don't know all that much about the old, like the true exorcist story. I've never bothered to read into it. I've never cared. <laughs> I'll just be true hand to heaven uh, or hell, depending on, you know, since we are talking about the exorcist, but uh, I've always found the movie boring. It just, it is what it is. I don't care. Everybody's like, well, this cinematic styling, man. It's like you're watching a documentary of a real family. And that's my argument. It's like, I know, and I don't give a shit about the real family. And it just, that's just my opinion. This isn't about Exorcist. This is about Exorcist House of Evil. Uh, I do recognize some of the names only because I have watched, recently I have watched the Exorcist TV series on Fox, which is badass. I like that series. That's really freaking awesome. And so I recognize the name Halloran. And there is a character in this movie called Father, or it's a young Halloran. So I can only assume that there's some kind of tie-in. But again, I don't know. If you, you know enough about The Exorcist, whether you know the full story or not, to actually get into this film, kind of, sort of, because it really doesn't tie into Exorcist at all. Um, nobody mentions Demi. Nobody mentions Captain Howdy. There was a Ouija board, but it just it, it's just terrible. It, there was the house. Maybe it was the real Exorcist house, but again, I don't know enough about it to know, so I don't think it was. I think what they're doing is conveniently merging two events. They're merging the movie with like literal events, but they don't tell you the dividing line of that. So as such, in the story, you got a chick, young woman, they're, they're a young married couple moving into a house. They, according to the story, it says they're moving back into their old house, but maybe I misheard, misunderstood the movie, but it, they knew that the house that they were moving into, but I didn't realize that it was their whole, anyway, it doesn't matter. They move into this nice-ass house. Her husband's a police officer, and I can't figure out, I guess that's her cousin or brother-in-law or, or some friend of the family or whatever is also a police officer. And doesn't want him to move into the house. And she says, but I'm going to move into the house. And you can't tell me what to do. And he says, but don't do it because it's bad stuff. You don't want to move in. She's like, well, you can't tell me what to do. We're going to move in here and we've decided. And he's like, okay, so they move in. 
and then bad shit happens, and you just want to slap her upside the head for being a stupid idiot, but then again, we wouldn't have a horror movie, would we? <laughs> so, we're in the house, and the supernatural stuff is just a bunch of cheap gim. and the problem, again, it's just not interesting. Paranormal activity, I would be the first to admit I'm a found footage junkie. I love them. I love anything found footage, as long as it go- deals with ghosts and demons. Take that Sasquatch bullshit out of here. But if it's ghost demons, ghost hunting, ghost adventures, ghost hunters, paranormal encounters, grave encounters, which I think is one of the greatest found footage movies, Blair Witch, any, if it's found footage, I will watch it. And we know all the gimmicks and the gags that they do. You know, you can tap the floor like that and say, oh, no, I got ghosts in here. Oh, no. Or, oh, my chair is rattling. They don't even do stuff like that in this movie. Uh, they have some stuff leading up to it. That is scary. Let me let me say this. The effects that they pull off, that they do, are cool. And they're very well. It's very good. It's just, on the whole, the movie is not very fun. It's not enjoyable. It's not spooky. It's not scary. It's just, you're supposed to care about the people. Even if you watch the original Exorcist, you're supposed to, even if you don't care about Reagan, you care about father Karras. i think that was his name demi all i remember is, is that ghost grandma was like demi demi that guy so you either care about reagan you care about her mother or you care about demi well in this one you don't care about anybody except maybe her husband who seems like an all-around nice dude uh but he's not really in it that much and the story gets kind of pred- i will give it this the story was not predictable in what happened Exorcist movies, unfortunately, are incredibly predictable. You know how they go, and they just keep following the same routine. Nothing happens. You move into a house. Nothing happens. Moving, you know, walking around. They're separated. They're divided by whatever. Somebody gets lonely. Usually the the woman of the house gets lonely and does something and then invites a demon in, and then the demon starts manifesting itself. Bad things happen. The husband and the wife, they're going through marital strife and trouble, and then an exorcism. And that's generally the big bang of the movie is the exorcism, which will take the last third of it, which is generally the last act of the movie, of them in a chair screaming and shouting and you know doing whatever. So that's, that's an exorcist film. This movie follows the basic same plot. Nothing happens. A whole lot of nothing happens. But you think that, well, should I say it? Should I? All right, let me go ahead and warn you. This is a spoiler. I'm going to go ahead and spoil the movie. Um, so if you don't want it spoiled, go ahead and end it. I'm Daniel, and I'll holler at y'all later. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy Astro Radio Z. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, okay, so we're all good. Okay, here's the spoiler. See, I just I paused right there for a little second just to make sure because I don't want, I don't hear about it. Hey, you spoiled a damn movie, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, I told you, turn it off anyway. Here's the spoiler: she's not the one that gets possessed. The whole time you're watching this movie, you think it's gonna be her. The way that they set it up. Now that I think about it in hindsight, that was actually pretty crafty the way they built the story. Hmm. Anyway. You think she's the one that's going to get possessed. You think she's the one in trouble because she is. She's the one in peril. When things happen, you think it's happening to her, but it's not. It happens to her husband. So I will give it. Now, the more I think about it, I have to give them good whatever. I can't say props because this sounds dumb, but regardless, kudos to the writer, uh, David Trotty, for that because I really did not see that coming. So, yeah, it defies convention. 
In other words, it's her husband that ends up getting possessed by the demon, and then they have to get an exorcism, but they can't. It just doesn't. And again, there's there. It didn't even give a good, satisfactory exorcism. It just, on the whole, it wasn't good. I know, and that sounds mean. I, if you are a filmmaker, again, I, generally I do this with everything. If you're a filmmaker, watch this movie, and take your own lessons. Don't watch it out of spite, and don't watch it laughing to be an asshole at the director be like oh i could do better well if you can then by golly let me know when it comes out so it's the same thing it's like i said when i critique these i'm not doing it like i'm someone special it's just if you're a filmmaker watch the movie i didn't find it very enjoyable it was not something you pop in with the friends to have a good rip roar and roller coaster ride of a time uh it's just ultimately it wasn't really good i hope the best for the writer and director to keep going because you can tell they really didn't have much of a budget with this thing and yet pulled a movie off. So, I mean, if he can do this, I want to see what else he can do. And I got to leave it at that. It's Exorcist House of Evil. Ultimately, if, let me put it this way, don't pay money. <laughs> if you saw this at Walmart, don't pay money. If you watch it on if you have nothing better to watch, and you have no podcasts with my dulcet tones to listen to, and you don't want to listen to The Night Keep or Throne of Anguish or anything that I do musically, you have absolutely nothing, and you're about to just drop into a samadhi chamber and stay there for an hour and a half, watch it. Otherwise, I really can't recommend it uh, unless you are somebody in the film industry, in which case you need to be open to everything and watch everything. So, yeah, Exorcist. House of Evil, unfortunately not really very good, but that's the bottom rack. And I am Dano, and I will holler at y'all later. Take it easy.
So I'm, I'm digging through my phone and it will start like this. I'm digging through my phone and all of a sudden I stumble across drunken voice memos that I took at blaze Bailey and at Gene Simmons from August of last year. And the first one is me and blade trying to talk about blaze Bailey, but being so drunk that we're both slurring our voice so fucking badly (laughs) and complaining about how you, Corey had pissed 16 times that night. (laughs) Was it legitimately 16? (laughs) No, I may have been embellishing a little bit. I am surprised I didn't piss my pants 16 times that (laughs) night because I was fucking annihilated, like blackout drunk. I don't even even, even remember August of 2017. (laughs) That's funny. I I had to babysit me in Hooters a few weeks earlier. That's true. It's funny because you and I, after the show, when we got back and we started drinking again, walked to fucking Wendy's. And got food. Oh, that's right. I would have never remembered that. Yes, we did. <laughs> and then came Thank back you. and did our annual viewing of disgruntled employee. Now I, I did. I, 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 I don't remember that. But yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Corey, <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> we said there was a story there that we totally forgot. You that and was I were the one. Yeah, I, I, I just <laughs> we were right at the front of the stage, and uh, just at one point, I'm looking around, and I think I looked at you. I'm like, "Where'd Blade go?" And it was either you or Paul or or somebody. Ooh, I was oh. pretty drunk too. It was just said Blade got sick and tired of Blaze Bailey's dick in his face the whole show, so he took off. <laughs> you, you, you guys will never you, you unless you're a front row center to. Yeah, no, you you could you could have tried to be front row center to a Blaze Bailey show, and that stage that was like the perfect fucking stage for his fucking balls to be in someone's face, like it was perfect height, like when they were constructing it, the fucking promoter was like or the builder, okay, let's build this stage so the fucking lead singer is fucking 
fucking sweaty balls are right in that guy's face in the front row. I mean, it was, it was, it is a fucking, it's a fucking architectural fucking masterpiece. If you like fucking balls. <laughs> Literally. I, I was, I, I was afraid his balls were going to hit me in the face. And I, I, I really didn't, I had to back up because I really couldn't see him singing. Dude, I, I looked it was like, it was like his balls were singing to me. I remember looking at you and you having the most stern, ornery look on your face the entire fucking show. <laughs> like, why the fuck is Blade so fucking pissed off? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm gonna. I have some photos of that. I have some photos of that night. I'm gonna wipe his balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, all, all I saw that night, I remember, because like you guys, I was fucking annihilated. Ugh. I'm looking while well, they were they were stiffing us on those drinks, man. Those were fucking stiff ass drinks. I'm looking around and everyone's flipping out because there was what, maybe 20 people in this entire bar. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking around and everyone's flipping out. And I look at Blade and it looked like someone took a shit in his mouth. Like he was just <laughs> you were just so unhappy about this entire thing. <laughs> no, that's not true. I was having a good time. Just yeah, just forty minutes of getting whacked in the face with Blaze Bailey's testicles wear down. Yeah, it's like <laughs> sweaty Scottish balls. <laughs> even, yeah, even if you're because into that, it's still a lot to deal with. <laughs> oh, good times. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever. I, that might have been the hardest I've ever laughed because I was, uh, I was well on my way to uh, comatose as well, and uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't remember who. It made, Blade. It might have even been you that told me, where uh, you just said, "Man, I got sick and tired of Blaze's balls in my face the whole shit." <laughs> I'm like, where the hell did he go? <laughs> it's not like he had talked too far. By. <laughs> I was on I was on autopilot. <laughs> it's not like you had to walk too far to have a nice clearing to be away from the crowd with all <laughs> fifteen fucking people at that show. I wasn't too far away. I think I just kind of backed up a few rows to like the left, or maybe I went to get a drink, or I don't know, man. It's all a haze. <laughs> Reminds me of every appearance I've ever done on Astro Radio Z. Yeah. <laughs> I have a few uh, instances uh, to prove. <laughs> <laughs> Namely, one in which uh, we're talking with uh, Angelina Lee about some vagina church, some inflatable vagina church. Oh, that's high class. That was a great show. That would have been a good gimmick. <laughs> I was I was just getting tanked in a in, in my car inside of a garage, <laughs> so to not disturb anybody. So what is the okay? Let's let's paint the picture here, Blade. What is the normal setup for when you decide to podcast? Are you in a house? Or are you sitting in a, rev, a revved up car in a closed garage <laughs> drinking beer, drinking stag? 
<laughs> he got locked in a beer yeah. cave in the middle of somewhere in Iowa, and that's where he is right now. <laughs> I have, I have, yeah, I've recorded all over the place, man. You know, it, it adds to the excitement. It adds to the, 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 uh, what would you say? Panache. The, uh, yeah, the panache. Yeah. <clears throat> right now, I, right now I'm recording from my almost empty apartment. Just me and a plastic skeleton and a box of 1989 top trading cards. <laughs> So you finally got all the VHS out of there? Yeah, without a back injury, no less. So estimated, the, la- the, many- last, the last two moves, I've hurt my back carrying VHS tapes. Oh, God, that <laughs> shit is the worst, man. I just went through that when I moved into this new house. It's just ridiculous how much, when you're a collector of this shit, how it accumulates and how you don't think of its volume until you have to pack it up and move that shit. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, this was uh, really this is six years of collecting. Hmm. So yeah. Well, while I was at Wasteland uh, just a few weeks ago, Troma Dan sends his regards to both you boys. He's a good oh, man. He's a great man. <clears throat> good man. Yeah, we bullshitted for a little bit. It was nice seeing him at the at that show. But uh he's good people. I I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I was disappointed I missed Wasteland. We haven't uh it's been about a year, year and a half since we went to one, Derek. Right. Yeah, it was that last one in uh last April and this may be <laughs> depending on some huge influx of time and money. This may be my, my last one for a while. If ever, <laughs> you guys always you guys always say that though. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> yeah, but I think I'm working on. Well, what year is it? Four years. It's been, isn't it? Uh we were there. We were there. October 2014, I think, was my last one. Yeah, because we 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 filmed uh, that bit with Lloyd for Girl Who Played with the Dead. Right. Uh, That's April right. 2014. Yeah. Wow. Well, way to, stick to, way to stick to your retirement there. Yeah, not too bad, right? <clears throat> well, you are no not missing player. a single thing. Nothing has changed. <laughs> yeah, Other but what, than, was the, uh, what was the tale on the crusher this time around? Oh, Jesus, Mary and fucking Joseph. <laughs> so Seth and I are fucking tanking it up, and his buddy, uh, Sean, we're sitting in the lobby as we're bound to do we had uh sat at the bar for a little bit and had bills above try and uh horseshoe us into his fucking screening for some new gimmick and i wasn't about to spend two hours watching him in a gorgon shirt talk to some chick (laughs) in the middle of the fucking woods well you should you should have because uh the the, you know the midnight rose may have had an appearance in that wait are you in this exploitation gimmick uh, it was rumored. He sent me a release form and <laughs> like the professional that he is. Well, Jesus he, was he comes to me. We're sitting at the table. Seth and I, Mac Brewer and uh, Sean are sitting at a table and Bill comes up and he's like, all right, boys, can I sit here? And we all look at each other and I look at him. I go, are you turning over a new leaf, Bill? Are you, are you being nice? Are you being courteous? 
what the fuck is going on here? And we're like, yes, of course, fucking take a seat. He sits down and he's like, well, here, would you like a new copy of, of my movie? And you could have uh, Seth over here sign it for you, seeing how he's a big star in this movie. Oh. And we, look, we look at Seth and I'm like, you're in this fucking gimmick? And he tells me, yeah, the wrestling match is in this movie. Yes. <laughs> oh, Okay, then the Midnight Rose is is in this, then, hopefully. What is the name of this movie? Exploitation. That's it? Yep. Well. It's, I'm guessing, kind of like... Zbub.com time. Yep. (laughs) Good luck with that one. (laughs) This time I didn't get 15 free movies from him because I've tried to avoid him at all costs. (laughs) I was just drunk enough at at the bar to to get caught by him for... (laughs) for like 20 minutes while well, I, I watched was... him pull some fucking shitty card gimmick on somebody. No, <laughs> like I, I told Derek before he went, I said, make sure that you look through Bill's eight by tens of himself that he sells because the last time we were at Wasteland, I was paging through them. And one of the eight by tens that is available or was available at the time, I don't know if it still is, is a picture of Bill and I, in the lobby at Cinema Wasteland, and Bill has his pinky uh, stuck out of his zipper, and I am looking aghast at the uh, the, the oh. sheer girth and size of Bill's <laughs> fake pinky penis. And uh, so I, I don't know. There's somebody somewhere has has an autographed picture of, of me looking at Bill's pinky penis. I lobby re- at Cinema Wasteland on their wall. I I think I remember. I think I remember being there when he took that photo. Yeah, <laughs> he was very proud of it. I think we all <laughs> were there when that photo was taken. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm uh, sure nobody that has that picture has paid a cent for it. I'm no, sure. they they probably got seven movies along with it for for nothing. <sighs> Is it Bill Zibub Productions or just BillZibub.com? You're going to be put on so many lists if you look that up on Google. <laughs> oh, Ass Monsters on sale. Well, <laughs> That's only on like six of the DVDs. I probably have it like four times on all these DVDs he's given me. <laughs> That's funny. But the funny thing is, Blade probably has the definitive Bill Zibub collection at this point. You want to talk about her back moving something? <laughs> Here, wait, wait, wait a minute. Here we go. Exploitation. Who's the uh, Who's the new girl on the the cover of Franken Shark? Oh boy, know. let me tell you. I don't know. I'd have to look her up, but she. There was some girl that Bill brought over to the table, mm. and oh, she was a real peach. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, is that right? She sat next to us and. If you saw her from afar, you'd be like, yeah, she's kind of cute. Yeah. And then she walks up to the table like, ah, yeah, yeah. And she, sits, <laughs> she sits down. She turns and, into Jerry Lewis. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> lady. <laughs> I turned into Jerry Lewis at the bar. <laughs> and, and she just started. It was one of those conversations where you, you're sitting with somebody that thinks they're just going to outgross you with what they're going to, what they're going to say. Like they're going to try and out offend you by, by saying pussy and fuck a lot. (laughs) 
And I was just so fucking like immediately turned off. I I, I was just like, get the fuck out of here. Just <laughs> is, can you please just leave? Is she the star of exploitation? Okay, let me look this up. Is, uh, uh, is this on billzebub.com? Uh, this is billzebubproductions.com. <laughs> How prestigious. Yeah. All right. So Billzebub Productions. Diane Thorne is in it, I see. Uh-oh, DNS error. I must not have typed it correctly. Uh-oh. Bill Z Bub Productions. Here, I, I do have a critique for Bill. Bill, make it easier to figure out how the fuck to, to buy your movies on this website. Bill doesn't want you to actually buy these movies. Oh, he doesn't? Of course. He, he gives them away. I know. Oh, that's Bill, a- send me one. Because he is giving me half of them. <laughs> well, no, the, the Frankenshark, Aaron Brown, that's Misty Monday. Yes. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. And well, how about that? Gabriella Lara, I have no idea who she is, but that picture makes her look like a real fucking fox. Yeah, right on. I don't know who that is. Why am I looking at Bill's above site? What have you fucking done? Okay, so if you look, scroll down even further. Kayla Brown is on a movie called A Devil's Wind. And okay. it makes it looks like it's some fucking like coming of age drama. Have you see, do you see this? <laughs> Wait a minute. Scroll down. When you see this, I got a revelation to tell you about this movie. Wait, on the homepage? Yes. All right, hold on here. There's just so many giant pictures. Yeah. Here that, on my archaic computer system a devil's wind yes, yes. I see. you see it oh yes yes so this reminds you of like a an after school special correct it certainly does it seems as though it would be a touching family drama this is no <laughs> this is much like another movie that bill gave me that was a recut of <laughs> disgruntled employee a Devil's Wind is a recut of Dick Nato. Oh, for <laughs> Christ's sakes. <laughs> it's, the, it's the sci-fi channel cut. <laughs> so this is Bill's new fucking gimmick. He takes all of these movies that he's... I'm convinced he doesn't cut any of them. The initial things that he puts out with these gimmicky titles are assembly cuts. Like he gets all of the fucking footage together, slaps them on a timeline, throws a bunch of fucking uh, doom funeral metal on top of it and just releases it. Right. Doesn't edit a single thing. (laughs) And then he recuts it and sells it. (laughs) The real cut. (laughs) It's a devil's wind. (laughs) What kind of fucking marketing gimmick is this? It's a great gimmick. You should start doing that. Yeah, every movie, every movie, he's got you two times. <laughs> well, who's who's the who's the person that's that's actually purchasing these? I'd I'd like to know, Blade. Who, who do you give me a portrait of who you think the person is that are that are double dipping on these movies? <laughs> it's not me. If that's what you're getting at. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm on the stand or something. <laughs> who, 
where did you touch the show, show on the doll where you touched yourself while watching Holocaust <laughs> Cannibal? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, Good old Bills and Bob. So the point of why I brought you guys here to record this, obviously, is we're shutting the doors on this fucking after Radio Z gimmick. It's over. It's fucking done. This is it. Kaputsky. Unless, uh, Corey, all of a sudden you want to take over and do this again. No, that's okay. Are you sure about that? Positive. You just just put it dormant and maybe in 10, 15 years like uh, like the majestic woolly mammoth. We'll uh, clone it and bring it back. And after we're dead, this will probably be some sought-after uh, listening for the future generations. For for people that cannot get to sleep. Yeah. They need if something. insomniacs that don't respond to drugs. <laughs> well, I'm hoping in 10 years I'll be dead. So we don't, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to bring it back. <laughs> But one of the things that that is my deepest regret through the entire run of this show that I did was that we had hinted so much about doing a kiss crap episode. Yeah. And it just never fucking happened other than me drunkenly pulling out my phone and randomly catching us in the midst of being complete and utter fucking idiots. Oh my God. <laughs> at, at, at kiss shows. Well, and I think, I think blade had the, um, had the, had the sense as we were driving back from the kiss show to start filming, um, as we were uh, listening to the Peter Chris solo album. And, uh, I think that was tossing and turning. We initially were going to, we're going to do the worst 10 kiss tracks that we knew let's yeah. let's do the top three can do you think right. you, off the top of your head you think you can name your three least favorite kiss tracks i can blade do you think you can name your least favorite like your three least favorite kiss tracks uh i just got back to the conversation here i lost uh lost you for a little bit but uh my three least favorite kiss tracks yes hmm. Oh, that's going to be hard, man, because uh, I do like a lot of them. Uh, or do you want to do or do you want to do your three least favorite kiss records? Is that easier? That's probably easier. Yeah. yeah. Corey. Yeah, that's that's fair. OK, let's fucking do this thing then. Let, let's do you, it. I guess it doesn't matter order of importance. Let's let's go ahead, Corey your first least favorite kiss record my first least favorite kiss record uh is definitely unmasked that's one i've tried oh. for years and years and years to get into it i'll i i, I think what sums it up for me is one time <clears throat> i had the uh the the, rec- the vinyl was playing and i was playing it playing it and i, pl- I flipped it to the next side and my wife came in and goes, what the hell are you listening to? Like, she couldn't even tell after 20-some-odd years that I was listening to Kiss. And she she was just like, Bill, this kind of sucks. And I said, yeah, it really does kind of suck. It's, it, it's my, it's, that is my absolute least favorite uh, Kiss record, followed closely by, and I know, I know Blade disagrees with all this on my list, 
followed closely by Psycho Circus. I don't. I think Psycho Circus is the only thing worth a pinch of shit on that entire record. Oh, that's the worst song on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to hear the story behind this one. What's the best song out there? Finally found my way by Peter Chris. Oh my god. <laughs> We're getting worked. This is a fucking yeah, work if I've ever work. heard one. Kayfabe. <laughs> I call kayfabe hey, on this hey, hey, wait until you find your way after you've been lost and tell me what the fucking <laughs> best song on that fucking <laughs> I'm going to purposely go get lost. <laughs> <laughs> and, All right, and so, so, so you now have two. For, what's your what's your, what's your third? Now for number three, I have a question: Do compilations count? <laughs> uh, that's a that's a chintzy fucking weaselly way out. No, don't no, you dare no. put! Don't you dare throw best of the soul albums in no, this. No, list. no, no. <laughs> or killers, uh, killers. Or no, Chikara. Not. Chikara. <laughs> <laughs> no, because because my number three I was gonna throw in is the Kiss My Ass album. Yeah, oh, that's not even a did. Kiss album. That doesn't count. See, that was my question. See, it was a legitimate question. Nah, mm. nah, nah. So then, so then, if that doesn't count, then I'm going for Hot in the Shade, bloated fucking demos. <laughs> oh. I can agree with that one. I, I don't know if that's going to be on my list, but I can agree with that one now. Bet- between the na-nas and the hey-hays and the ho-hos and all the other fucking <laughs> rhyme bullshit on that record, the worst song Kiss has ever done is on that record called Boomerang. So, oh, that I don't know. Right read, there to shit. read my body's pretty bad. That would make that. That's, oh my God. that's, the, that's the, letters perhaps the... the Definitive, uh, d- definitive uh, you know, response to uh, being illiterate. There, <laughs> read my body is strutter compared to Boomerang. Oh, I, I don't see. I don't remember Boomerang. I hate that. I hated that album so fucking much. I didn't listen to it that much. See, and just recently, I was at a record store, and I'm only because I'm a completionist that I, f- I found the vinyl. It was an original press vinyl still in the plastic. Dude wanted 12 bucks for it. I'm like, all right, I don't have it yet. I'm going to pop for it. So I listened to it front to back, all in one sitting, mind you. Did you fall asleep? And, <clears throat> no, luckily. But I sat there and I just, I could not believe the, that it was, I mean, it's like 17 fucking songs. And about three or four of them are good, and about six more are not great, and then the rest of them are absolutely miserable. And from what I understand, the reasoning behind it was because they were just rushed for another record, and these were all just kind of polished up demos was all it was, and they Mm. didn't, you know, they didn't trim the fat on it or do anything so you get a little na na no no nini na na <laughs> fucking ho ho horse shit oh my it's god a tough this record that's is, a tough record to get through so that's mine that's it unmasked <sighs> and psycho circus and uh hot in the shade man i think you are just forgetting things i think you have just one okay Let's address this unmasked issue, which seems to be the only thing we ever talk about when we get together to talk about fucking Kiss. That record may be my 
daughter's second favorite Kiss record. Oh, your daughter. Daughter of the year. They listen to it. We listen to it in the car all the fucking time. (laughs) Of course, it's got shitty tracks like fucking She's So European. That's a great song. Torpedo Girl. But they're still good. They're still better than anything on Carnival of Souls. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, <laughs> see, now that's that. one I can't even count because that's barely even a, a, a release. Uh, you, you, put, you put Naked City on Carnival of Souls. You got a good album. <laughs> <laughs> Just for that track alone. Yeah, and rename it Naked City. <laughs> what a ship platinum even with that shitty fucking cover with Singer and Kulik looking like they're getting ready to go to a fucking their execution the, the, the cover that somebody took with a Polaroid Insta, Insta camera just yeah. like hey guys let me quick take this click there's the, the album cover. The, the funniest part is how little the band or the record label or anybody on earth gives a shit for that thing is when they put out the entire Kiss catalog on uh, 180 gram vinyl, whatever, whatever. The the cover was, I think it was just that cover, but it was stretched to fit the dimensions of a vinyl <laughs> record. So it's just some guy took it into uh, took it into Photoshop. Where's the free transform uh, option on this one? We just have to fit it on the cover. Oh Jesus! Because they're all stretched out, and it looks like shit, and it's pixelated, and like they didn't even give a fuck. They're like, nobody's gonna spend thirty nine bucks on this piece of shit. Oh my God, miserable blade. Your least, your your bottom three. Well, you know, you know, I'm coming in third here, so obviously, hot in the shade is horrible. Uh, you know, carnal souls. Uh, and then, uh, you know what? Um, I don't, I, I, I can't, I can't count the new, you know, it's like the new albums don't count. You know what I mean? Like, Mars why don't Day. they count? Uh, you're right. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't seem like, I mean, it seems it's, it's kiss. But, you know, it's not like really Kiss. I mean, you know, I just think of the albums that we grew up with. Uh, like, or at least yeah. into the 90s anyway. So I would have to say, uh, if, we're talking, if we're talking Kiss albums from the mid-70s until the year 2000, uh, strictly on those, I'm down to... Dress to Kill or Asylum, and I would pick Asylum, believe it or not. Oh. Oh. Ooh, that's a dagger. Oh, my God, that hurts, Blade. Well, you know, uh, that album uh, has uh, All Night on it for that reason. I know it does. I know it does. But, but okay, what, 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 what would I, what would I give up to replace that? It wouldn't be the first album. Wouldn't be Hotter Than Hell. Nope. No. Rest to Kill has two timer room service. Right. As you keep working your way through there, man, you know, uh, love, you know, Love Gun Dynasty, Unmasked, The Elders Great, Creatures of the Night, Lick It Up. You're running out of Animalized. choices. Um, I like Animalize better in Asylum, maybe because I. Uh, See, I would flip those two. I like. Uh... 
Asylum a little bit better than Animal Eyes, but I still like Animal Eyes. It's tough, man. It's obviously, obviously, I would say Monster. Well, yeah. See, that's why you got to count it. It's it's canon. It's got to be in there. It's part yeah. of the discography. Yeah, you're right. But I never really gave it a chance, though. I, I haven't listened to it that much, so I can't. You know. yeah. I tried. It's got a couple of decent tracks. When when the best song on it is Tommy Thayer's, you know, you're probably you know swimming with turds. I could not tell you one fucking track off of that gimmick. See, neither neither could I. Um, so that's hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You're right. I know that one. Isn't there like a wall of sound song too? Yeah. Okay. Those are the two tracks I know on there. Okay. That, out yeah. of this world, totally stealing Ace's gimmick. <sighs> if I'm going to put three in the fucking poop shoot, <laughs> it's got to be fucking monster. And I'm going to agree across the board, hot in the shade for sure. <laughs> uh, I agree with you, boys. The only thing we're gonna all agree on in Carnivals of Souls is hands down the most unlistenable Kiss record there is. Yeah, it. it yeah. And I probably should have. I probably should have put that one on. Um, only because, but the thing with it is, I mean, I've given that album a chance, and it is so slow. And I mean, and, and the whole thing with it was. I mean, when you put it in the context of the time that that album would have come out, coming off of Revenge and then the the great Alive 3, you know, and all of these other things, they had the big book out, um, whatever that was called, Kiss, not Kistory, um, what was the big fucking coffee table book that they put out? Was it Kistory? Yes. Um, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. So they did that. They did that cool thing. Then they did the... Um, the conventions where Ace and Peter came back, they did the unplugged. And so then, you know, you think about it in the context of the timeline of kiss and you go after all that cool shit, they would have dropped that fucking turd, you know, at at that point in time, they're riding a high wave. So if you put it in the context of that, it's probably (laughs) the biggest, it's a bigger misstep than the elder. I just don't know at what point during the recording process, did they think that this was, even remotely a good idea. I, I, I can't even imagine. Well, I mean, when you think about Kiss, though, I mean, you have to look back. I mean, and Blade was talking about Asylum, you know, and Asylum really capitalized on what was hot at that point. It doesn't sound like 70s Kiss. Nothing on it sounds like Love Gun or, <clears throat> or Destroyer. I mean, it's pure 80s, you know, shredding fucking hair metal. Yeah, I I I I I enjoy the album. You know I, what I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I I stand corrected. Monster has replaced Asylum. Mm-hmm. I go. With I like this. I like this turn of events here, Blake. But then Carnival like, of Souls. When you, when you think I like this face it, turn. <laughs> a neon, a neon, a neon green face turn here. <laughs> but then you think about Carnival of Souls when that came out in the mid '90s with the grunge shit going on. Kiss was just trying to, you know, fit in at that point. And well, Carnival Soul they, came out in 97. Right. Is that when that came out? Was that when so that was far past out? the time? Like at yeah. that point, uh, Allison Chains was done. All the grunge was done. They had moved on to fucking new metal. 
But when I did mean, they? I mean, I I know they so the put league, it out the, like '96, but when did they record it? I mean, it must. Well, be. they recorded, but dude, the, the the hype the hype sticker on it uh, read, "Carnival Souls," but featuring the last recordings of the Kiss lineup from 1992 to '96. That was the hype sticker. I know because I peeled it off and stuck it on the case. Yeah, so that was. <laughs> you were so you were so fucking popped over that that you. Had... <laughs> Blade's like, whoo! <laughs> Goddamn label off. It's like, Jesus, I want to see that again. <laughs> that hype sticker. <laughs> the biggest pop Blade's ever had in his whole life. <laughs> I could honestly, I've given that record so. So many fucking chances. I have, there's so many fucking apologists out there and you get on the kiss boards or in the kiss chats and you sit and you hear these, these boys sit and talk about, Oh my God, it's such an unsung record. So much brilliance on this thing. And then you, you start it up and you hear Paul Stanley attempt to be Lane Staley and you want to clean your brain out with a fucking bullet. <laughs> And not only that, you got a guy like Bruce Kulick coming off a record like Revenge and then, you know, make him play shit that, you know, isn't up to his standards. Where all. are the fucking guitar solos? Exactly. Nothing. He did have he did have his song on there, which was actually that was the highlight of that record. I Walk Alone or whatever it was. Bruce's song on Carnival of Souls is the best song on there. Uh, I couldn't tell you uh, other than jungle. I couldn't tell you another track off of that one. Same as monster. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the immortal classic childhood's end. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, now all of a sudden that song just song. popped in my head. That's no, oh, it's my friend. Whatever the fuck with, with oh, the children's choir. <laughs> That's the one. Brutal. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, next to Boomerang, that might be the worst kiss track. Ugh, fuck. Like, I can't believe I can't believe Jungle was a radio single for that album. Where? In Australia? The in the United States. I used to hear it played on the radio. I, I never heard it. Because I was under the impression that that was like a new kiss recording. Because this was in the days before I had the internet. So like, huh. You know, oh, this has got to be a new Kiss song. Huh. Because they'd already started the reunion tour. Right, know? right. So, no. See, I didn't well, even I mean, know about this record until years later because I went on that reunion tour. Uh, the, I was at the Bradley Center when I saw that. That was an amazing fucking show. I bought Psycho Circus, was disappointed just like every other last Kiss fan on earth. I was not disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you like one of the worst songs on that record. <laughs> that is not the worst song on that record. Okay, what's the worst song on that record? Uh, Pledge Allegiance to the yeah. State of Rock yeah. and Roll. That song's the shit. Any, <laughs> any song with that many fucking syllables in the title can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> That's pure phonics. 
Oh. That song is the shits, as Ole Anderson would say. <laughs> it's the shits. Yeah. No, oh. like fucking Into the Void was a good song. Um, I finally found my way. <laughs> was the best one on there. <laughs> the masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> the crown jewel of the album. Just I, like Corey's favorite track on the fucking on Gene Simmons' fucking solo record, uh-oh. "Living in Sin." Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> I have, I have, I have home movie footage of me lip syncing that song at age three. Well, about <laughs> age three. <laughs> that's when I got the album, bro. <laughs> I, I was, I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even know what that meant. But I sure as fuck sang it when I was three. <laughs> that was my favorite. That was my favorite song when I was three. I'm serious. Such a good song. Oh, that's I was such a great I, album. Uh, you know, even wish I, I'm not a Disney fan. I hate Disney, but I enjoy when you wish upon a star by Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> I like his rendition of it. Oh. <laughs> but the real I love, is, you is know what? It won't stop all that. He's singing that song. <sighs> I love, <laughs> I just derailed Blade. <laughs> I love that. I love all those solo albums. I wish all the female backup singers from those albums would have done their own album. Katie Seagal. Katie their Seagal. own Kiss records? <laughs> yeah. So they'd have their own gimmicks, kind of like the, the famed Ankh record that never was, but we still have the album cover for it. I, I'm not familiar with that. What do you mean? <laughs> Remember we, when we went to that FYE in um, Strongsville, Ohio, and you bought that bootleg Vinnie Vincent onk? Uh, yeah. DVD? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever watch that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've been busy the past five years. <laughs> So, so is it displayed? I mean, do you have the bottom of one of these boxes or what are you doing with it? Uh, it's with my kiss DVDs. I just haven't had a chance to watch it. I got sidetracked, you know, <laughs> it's been a wacky be four right years. Headspace. Yeah. I gotta be in the right headspace. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, why we didn't have that with us when we went and saw Gene. Oh, good point. That would have been a good gimmick. That would have, that would have coupled well with Gene's timely Michael Jackson pedophile jokes. <laughs> or how about Gene Simmons not knowing a single lyric to any of his songs, so no, he had no. some 55-year-old stagehand write them on huge sheets of paper <laughs> that were so inconspicuous <laughs> on stage, on the stage that was even lower than the one at Blaze Bailey. <laughs> You could just walk right up to that one. Yeah. We, and then who was, who was at that show? Hollywood from fucking glow was there, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, she was. I saw, <laughs> I saw a video on YouTube and you can hear Derek yelling at her and she looks terrified. <laughs> like who's this stalker Mark? I'm not going to make it out of here alive. I remember we, we noticed it and all I did was yell Hollywood. And she looked at us. Oddly, and then wait. 
she's like, I've been found out. I have to exit quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. We need to go to another show and uh, party it up. Well, this is this is the thing. Now that we know that they have trademarked the uh, what is it? The beginning of the end. The end of the road. The end of the road. So how long do you figure? I'm going to leave this up to both of you until we see the end. Blade. Uh, January 2020. Hmm. Oh, I mean, I mean, wait, until how long until we see it or how long until the end of the road ends? Do you think this is a record or do you think is this is them hanging it up? I think it's them hanging it up. You don't, you can't, where do you, where do you go after that title? If you're going to have a concert tour, the end of the road, oh, kiss off the cliff tour, 2011, 2021 <laughs> kiss reborn. And it'll be all ringers. Uh, uh, I don't want to think about that. Uh, Corey. I think they'll probably start the tour uh, early next year. And, um, it'll probably go, I would say it'd go 18 months, something like that. And I, and I would not be surprised if, um, if they do get everybody back together for something at some point, whether that's, uh, you know, a one-off concert to, you know, the last concert or something, you know, they'll do something cool. I mean, it's kiss. They always do, you know, something that we're like, Oh fuck, that's what we wanted. Um, but yeah, I think probably though. I think probably early next year, and I don't think we're gonna see another album, uh, another new album. I'd be surprised. I think we'll get Paul Stanley's Soul Station album before Ugh. that. Oh, I sure fuck hope not. A little little smooth R and B, and then maybe we can so, go to one of his art shows and. So could we watch him sip on, for us? Can we sip on some? I want to have him autograph a can of Folgers for me at one of those art shows. <laughs> are they are they going to be selling T-shirts at the art show of a uh, a bald eagle ripping through the back of a shirt? <laughs> you know, I'm I went so on eBay. I tried to find oh. that shirt for you guys. It doesn't exist on eBay. Oh, what a shame! That's because just, everyone promptly burned them after that I, tour. I went to. I think I went to four shows on that tour. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Oh, That's four missed opportunities to buy that shirt. I don't know. I, I bought a shirt. Sure. I bought a shirt. I bought a shirt at every show. Fuck! They um, had that many. I didn't even realize they had that many shirts without the eagle. <laughs> the first one I bought was now this. The second one I bought was the Statue of Liberty with Paul Stanley's face on it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just, just cool. <laughs> so, um, your legs run across your tired and weary masses, people. <laughs> Let's all say the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> the Statue of People. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, so, um, yeah, that's it, boys. That's it. There's, there's fucking <laughs> the only real episode of Kiss Crap. <laughs> it is probably just as nonsensical. It probably made less sense, and we're not wasted. <laughs> no. <laughs> Completely sober. 
<laughs> oh, so so this is it. This is the end. This is uh, Fini. Um, any parting words uh, for the listeners of Astro Radio Z, Mister Blade Braxton? The floor is yours. I just want to uh, for uh, for the for the the shows I've been on, man. I just want to say it's been fun. It's been a blast. Uh, like I said, I, I've been doing read the Resogram Radio podcast for oh god, uh, thirteen years now. But whenever I got a chance to do Astro Radio Z with you and Corey, it felt like a home away from home. Um, and I finally found my way back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> how, how poetic. How, how truly poetic. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Corey J. Udler, the man who actually put this fucking show into existence. The floor is yours. Would you like to say goodbye to this entire yeah, when, fucking thing? When, uh, when the fuck did I start doing this show? Hey, wait a minute. I, I, here's the thing. Do you remember I was high, I was high on Sudafed the first time I ever talked to you? Yeah. We had a good conversation. <laughs> I like where this is going. Please go. Dude. No, I had a headache, right? And I was like, oh, shit. I better take some Sudafed. But then I was like, well, I'm getting ready to do this show with this, with this Corey Udler guy. This was 2010. We had just started talking. Wow. Um, and so I was drunk and on Sudafed, and boy, it was a mess. <laughs> we ended up talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark toys, and it was just a fucking <laughs> yeah. train wreck. Yeah, of course. But yeah. that was when it was still, that's when you and Paula were still were doing the show. Yeah, see, and I had started doing it before that even. I like okay. I started it. It was oh, yeah. just me, and then Paula came along, and then I think at one point I don't remember. Derek was it like two thousand what eleven or something that you were coming on and yeah. frequently, and yeah. and then Blade, you'd be on, you know, occasionally, and so I think yeah. I want to say I started this thing in like two thousand nine. Yeah, I want to say that's because I remember when we did the 50th episode, when you and I got together and kind of like laid the groundwork of how this started and what it came to be, whatever. I I think I remember you saying 2009 was the start. Yeah, of this. that sounds right, because I started doing it with um, with Jonathan and uh, Dixie from uh, from uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Fearcast folks. And we were going through blog talk radio and initially I don't, I don't even remember who like the first guest was or if we had a first guest, but I know we had, you know, some pretty good guests at one point cause they were, they had, were running a, a convention uh, down there and the people that were booking the convention got all of the celebrities to come on the show. So I think I had Walter Koenig from uh, star Trek and God, Leslie Easterbrook, I know, was on the show, and Erica Laniac from Baywatch. Nice. Uh, yeah, we had a ton. I mean, and I, over the years, I had Christ. Who did I have on? I had Tad V. Michaels and yeah. Herschel Gordon Lewis, and um, you know, a lot of underground uh, filmmakers. And of course, that I, I think the crowning moment for this show and and you know Derek you you probably don't agree because I you know I wasn't along for uh all of the shows especially in the later years and things but I I mean to me the crowning moment of of Astro Radio Z was that show with Blade in the car uh in the garage 
and you and I and Angelina Lee because I think we went well, like three hours. And it, yeah, that well, that was your retire that was your retirement show. Yeah, it was yeah, the it was, final was, episode that you did. That was the last yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I've told Derek, I've joked around. I was like, I want that one looped at my funeral. <laughs> yeah, during my wake, hear me and Angelina Lee talk about Toto getting raped <laughs> from the Wizard of Oz. Well, yeah, classy. We'll we'll make sure that happens. Yeah, thank you. I'll be going before both of you. You're in charge. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be a race to the finish blade between you and I. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a good show. It was, it was started for the right reasons. It was continued for all the right reasons. You know, you kept doing it for the right reasons, you know, the same way that I started it for the right reasons. And, um, you know, it was, it was fun. And, uh, and you know, it had, it, it had a following, but I mean, that's, that's a pretty good run for, just about any show, you know, all that time, whatever, nine years, eight years. Yeah. A lot longer than I figured it would. A lot longer than a lot of shows last. Right. And uh, now it's done. It's That's it. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's got to be a point where you just, you hang it up and say, you know what? Okay. I think, I think this is run its course. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, it's, it's so much work. I don't think people, yeah, it's rough. you know, really understand how much, I mean, and Blade knows it with wrestle crap. I mean, for God's sakes, you know, everything you guys do on wrestle crap. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of work and to, to do oh, yeah. it every, every mm-hmm. week and to, you know, of course you like doing it, but financially it's not doing anything for you. And it takes up a lot of your spare time yeah. like you know as older the older we get the more we just want to sit around on our ass and not do anything um <laughs> personally i don't know about you guys. <laughs> this is true confessions time yeah, confession. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's a lot of work but you know but fuck it yeah it's it was worth good, it though. You know, it was worth. It was good while it lasted, and uh, if if I can do a a, a hard shill for WrestleCrap Radio Blade, I gotta say the last episode with you doing uh, the the fucking uh, Mister Rogers Neighborhood gimmick, that thing just about made me die. Our annual April Fool's Day show, where we attempt to piss off all the listeners. I was I was on a long car ride with my kids and we were riding back from my folks on a three and a half hour drive. They were all passed out. I had my in my earbuds in and I'm like, oh, a new episode of WrestleCrap. Turn it on. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> I, just, I was laughing so fucking hard at how committed you guys were to that fucking gimmick. It was just like unwavering. I, I salute you. So. Thank you. From start to finish. Uh, like a PBS, like a legitimate PBS show. Oh, yep. Pubic broadcasting systems. Well, I thank you guys for sticking around with me and uh let's let's say goodbye to the peoples. Bye. People. See ya. Yeah. People. Goodbye, people. You ain't getting tired yet of the Asterator Z yet, all you people.
is a warning. Thank you. Hi, everybody. This is S.A. Bradley from Hellbent for Horror, and I'm here to congratulate Derek Carey and Astro Radio Z for 125 episodes. That's a hell of a good run. And in that run, anybody who's listened to the show knows uh, that Derek and uh, his guests were always fans of micro-budget films, independent films, and even big-budget films, and usually gave some pretty honest answers on what was going on. I was lucky enough to be on a few times. I got to speak about George Romero's Martin, which was a hell of a lot of fun, and John Waters' A Dirty Shame. And, you know, just the idea that you have those two movies uh, that uh, are talked about by the same show, you know there's a pretty good mixture that that was there. Uh, So, guys, uh, especially Derek, thanks so much for that 125 episodes. It was a hell of a lot of fun. Unfortunately, for those that don't know, uh, there's uh, anybody who's a guest on the show... uh, there's, there's a drawback to it, and uh, the drawback is that uh, you're kind of signed on to a suicide pact. So uh, whoever's show ends first, uh, the others have to join suit, uh, and it's really a suicide pact. So uh, I'm going to take this cyanide pill that I was given by Derek by mail, uh, and uh, we're going to say goodbye uh, in, in the proper fashion. So... You're here to talk, obviously, about the upcoming 
ending of Astro Radio Z, are you not? Yes, uh, I remember Derek Carey quite well. The first time we met, I believe it was, uh, it was in Angola. We had just finished fighting off the Prussians. And there we are. Damn good soldier that Derek Carey was. Let me tell you, damn good soldier. One of the best lieutenants I ever served with. We had just finished fighting off those Prussian bastards, and there we are relaxing in the trenches at night, and Derek hands me this VHS tape, and he says, Hey, old boy, you like this? You like chimpanzees, don't you? And I'm like, well, of course. What good sporting man doesn't like a good chimpanzee in a movie? And he says, well, you like this one. It has a chimpanzee with a razor blade. <laughs> Let me tell you, that was the rabbit hole for me. From then on, it was neck deep in severed heads, screen queens, zombies, and all sorts of things like that. Let me tell you. And most of it was... Most of it was awful. Awful! Vice Squad? What the fuck was that? Vice Squad? The fact that I came back for more just shows that obviously I'm suffering from PTSD from those bloody Prussians in Angola. What were Prussians doing in Angola anyways? I don't understand it. Just like I don't understand witchcraft. How many goddamn movies did they make about witchcraft? There could be one fucking witchcraft and cast some fucking spells and they're done! No! There's like 44 of them! 44 fucking witch- and they're making more all the time! It's like- it's like a fucking Irish woman just shitting out babies! That's what this is! Ah! Well, maybe you want to watch more! How about the Puppet Master films? Oh yes, I enjoyed Puppet Master, it was not too bad, Ab. I seem to recall from Moon and made some decent movies here and there, and I, I watched the Puppet Master, I'm like, this one's not too bad, it's, 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 it's interesting. And, and then Puppet Master 2, and you're like, well, okay, that's not as quite as good as that one. And then 3, and then, and then, and then again, what the fuck is going on with this bullshit? More of this bullshit! What? How many goddamn movies do you have to make to prove the point that you suck at fucking making movies? How many? And I could blame them, but I'm the one who keeps coming back for more. Like, they're shitting in my face, and I'm going, yes, please, could I have another? I would like another dump. Right in my own kisser. That's what I want. Just keep on shitting in my mouth. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to gobble it up. Because apparently, I am a... I don't know what I am. I really don't. Because, oh sure, we watch the Harley movies. And a few of those are right. And then what the fuck? Fucking melting into a fucking pool of goo? That's not how a fucking werewolf works. I've been in the Black Forest. I know how this shit works. That is not a fucking werewolf transformation. This is bullshit. What else can we do? We keep going. Next thing, what's, what's this? Oh, it's just Edward Penis Hands. That's all. Just a fucking guy with penis for hands. Fucking making gum ring. Oh, that one was actually quite funny, actually. Um, so I, I really can't fault him for that one. <laughs> that, 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 that one was quite good. Let me tell you, that was that was a jolly good time. That was, those, uh, uh, yes. And then, and then what else? I mean, other things we have covered, I, I can't even remember them all. It's just such a mishmash of horrors and atrocities that have filled my brain that I can't even comprehend them anymore. And then we finish with American Ninja. Mm. Yes, ninjas with fucking lasers. What the fuck was that? Lasers? And you here you have this beautiful specimen. Gigantic muscles and an actual martial artist. But is he the star? No, it's Michael Dudikoff and his hair. That's who it is, Michael Dudikoff. Now, I don't have a problem with Michael Dudikoff, but he's not a goddamn martial artist. 
He is not. But he is the American fucking ninja. The American fucking ninja. What the fuck is that? Bullshit, I say it is. Bullshit. All I know is bullshit. But they wouldn't trade a goddamn minute of it for anything. Mr. Carey and all the rest of you bastards there at Astro Radio Z, I salute you. I salute you all for all the horror and pain you put me through. It has made me the man I am today. That's what it has done. The sad, pathetic, miserable, shitty man that I am. That's what it's made me. And God damn it, I'm grateful. God bless you, sir. God bless you to hell and back. Now get the fuck out. Man, what was that? Hong Kong, yes. Yeah, how you doing there, uh? It's, uh, it's Vaughn here, uh, Derek, the family of, uh, Astro Radio Z listeners. I'm not gonna bore you too fast. Just wanted to send, uh, send some love to Derek his way because of his last episode. Um, you know, I've gone back and listened to the old episodes and I really liked what he's done. And I wish that I got on this, you know, I got on. I wish I started listening to the show a little earlier than maybe like six months ago, eight months ago. Um... Because it's a good show, and there should be more people who listen to it and go back. And you can actually feel the the kind of weight of this show kind of kick the hell out of this man uh, as it gets closer and closer to the end, you know. And the fact that there's, like, episodes with his ex-wife at the beginning of the show, and I think there's some, I think the newer episodes, he's got episodes with his gar- girlfriend, which, you know, just an evolution of a man's life. It's a cool, it's a cool thing when you listen to this. I don't think he intended it that way, but you can definitely tell within the show that he kind of the whole thing was there, wrapped around his overall life for the handful of years he was doing this podcast, and it's great. It's great. It's cool. You know, um. Uh, <laughs> I had a good time listening to it. I'm going to continue going back and listening to the old shows. Um, like I've said, Derek, anytime you need to be on something, you want to route and rave and scream and shout that you know that people aren't going to sit there and get mad at because they're never going to hear it, you can come on my show. I ain't going to give you the title of it. You don't need to know it. Just know that I'm there for you, buddy. And I hope that whatever you do, past this, you know, any kind of films you make, any kind of stuff, it's, it's helping your overall soul to contribute to the world, and, um, I'll try to support and promote as best I can, adios pal, I hope it, uh, works great, maybe I'll have you come on and do an Andy Milligan show with me, (laughs) I know, I know what you love that guy. Alright, buddy. Adios. The goat shoot up. What's a tin can? The goat shout out. I was a fortune dance. I like an apple. 
Kickstarter um, Blu-rays of Manos Returns got sent out to all the Kickstarter people. Cool. And it's been a unanimous success. Really? She's gotten nothing but positive feedback and everything. Cool. So cheers. cheers. That's a year of my life. Mm-hmm. It was longer than a year. Yeah, probably. I know it was longer than a year. Yeah. <laughs> it was longer than a year. It was a long time, but I'm very happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Good. Well, I think that's the important part. Even if it took longer than you had anticipated, if the final product is something that you're really proud to put your name on. Oh, yeah, it was good. I think it's a fun movie. Then you can deal with the hiccups in terms of the timeline. It's not like that one uh, gimmick, that found footage thing that I was pinched to to edit. You remember that? Oh, I do. Yeah, I'm not throwing names out there, but it was not good. No, it was not good at all. So You knew it from the second you saw it. Oh, so... I guess how I wanted to start this okay. talking with you okay. is that um, I was looking back at, because I have on that website, the AstroRadioZ.com, mm-hmm. I have all of the episodes laid out. Yeah. And nearly three quarters of the run of the show was while you and I were together. Really? Oh, I guess I, di- I, guess I didn't realize that. Yeah. Like, I didn't officially really start, like, going for it with this show until you and I were together. Okay. 
So the vast majority of this run of Astro Radium Z has been with you. And when we started going out and I brought this up and presented this to you about you being a part of this, like full, like, I know you're not going to bullshit me. What did you honestly think about this podcast at all and and being a part of it? Oh, I was excited because I had never done anything like that before. I and and frankly, I had never listened to I knew what a podcast was, I guess. Yeah. But I had never even listened to a podcast before. That that can't be true. No, it's true. I thought you were listening to that one, the the sedate brothers. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> the two guys that how this gets stuff made. You should know. Okay, that's it. I started listening to that because of this. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, I had never listened to podcasts before, and then I went to work and I was like, "Man, I got this cool new boyfriend, and he's doing podcasts." And mm. no, it's true, and he's doing podcasts and stuff. And um, but I don't know anything about it, so I asked in the ER because I was the charge nurse in the ER at the time, yeah. and I asked in the emergency department who podcast who listens to podcasts and what do they listen to, and that's how I came upon stuff you should know and really liked the layout and the content it's like you know 30 to 40 minute podcasts on everything and anything how gummy bears were invented i listened to one on the way here about who shot jfk i listened to one on the way home did they solve it finally Yes. Who who shot Dave? <laughs> was it Glenn Danzig? It was Glenn Danzig. Okay, good. I was trying to think of something funny like that, but and I couldn't. So I'm glad you pulled out Danzig. <laughs> and uh, the, um, you know, so they just a wide host of things, and um, the content is fact checked and whatever else. So I like that because I feel a lot of times if I'm going to have idle time, and I know you hate this. But a lot of times if I have idle time, like in the car, I feel like I should at least be filling it with something slightly educational. Why do, why do you think I Because hate this? I I'll listen to nothing but NPR. That doesn't, that's not what bothered me. Is there voices? I think you told, yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know, I know. But I recognize, but so, like, if I'm in the car and I want to listen to a podcast, like, often we would listen to podcasts together that I wouldn't necessarily listen to on my own. It's because I mostly listen to podcasts for yucks. Right. And I don't. I listen to podcasts for educational content. See, okay. So, see, this and is the talk difference. radio for educational content. I love the content of the shows that you would put on. Mm-hmm. The difference was, and I'm this way about just about everything, is that it is the chemistry for the people that are the hosts ah. that if if I can't get sucked in mm-hmm. because of them. I don't, they could have been, they could have literally been talking about boobs and machine guns and ghoulies, your favorite things. And I wouldn't give a fuck. They were like, they, that podcast, and this is not an insult. Like I think, to you them. Always, no, I thought, yeah. I think you always took it really personally that I was like, I would say that, man, this is the <sighs> most boring podcast because their voice was, so guys, and how, what's really it interesting is it's I an think, NPR like sedate, like I want to put you to sleep voice. And I, what I think is really funny is that I don't see their podcast like that at all. I think that Josh and Chuck are funny, and I. So it's interesting, but to you kind of have that you sense and of I, humor, right? Though. You and I are listening to the exact same thing, the exact same dialogue, the exact same tone, the exact same everything, and you find it as very dry and flat, and I don't at all. There's just no inflection. <laughs> Okay, so maybe there is comedy there, 
but I can't because you don't connect with it. I don't, don't connect, connect with, with it. it. I, yeah. I need a little pizzazz. I need a little yeah. showmanship yeah. and there's yeah. none of it. Yeah. Well, and that, but that brings me too to the fact that when I, I noticed from the very, very, very beginning of you and I watching movies together, even through to this day, as we watch movies together, that you and I watch movies from two completely different perspectives. Okay, explain. As well, well, I'm I look at movies for the most part at a fairly superficial level. Sure. And um, sometimes I will think about the production value and things like that. And um, but don't you ever think about the subtext of? No, I very rarely do, and I think I only do unless it is painfully obvious that this is supposed to be about something else like the first time i watched Eraserhead, yeah i'll i'll never forget this because it's the first time we talked about eraser for the astro radio z listeners who may not know this i picked derek up with a compliment on his Eraserhead t-shirt because i had a picture of myself with judith o'day on a shoot that we had done for safe inside uh-huh. and i was wearing an eraser head shirt and i that. sent him a message that said hey man I like your eraser head shirt. Not necessarily expecting anything to come of it, but that was I recognized it and I remember thinking when I watched that movie, what the fuck is this about? Whoa, this was really weird and kind of spacey and stony and whatever else. And then the one of the very first times we've ever spent time together, we naturally talked about eraser head and I was like, yeah, man, I haven't seen that movie in a really long time. Um, and I watched it with a very loose mutual friend of ours. And, um, I I like how you described that. What? How I described the loose mutual friend of ours. <laughs> well, neither of us really could that could be, a friend, do well, we? That could, well, that could be taken a lot of different ways. Why? How? Sex friend? <laughs> no! Oh, What? I Loose. Oh, no. <laughs> no, meaning we Now I just came off like a total yeah, heel. I'm going gonna, gonna to totally have to edit no, that. No, you said you weren't editing any of this. Oh, that's bullshit. I've so edited a lot of this. I, no, I, um... Meaning loose in that neither of us would necessarily, I mean, we'd say hi to the no, guy no, no, no. saw him, but. I was just trying to make that sex joke. That's oh, all I was oh, trying to oh, do. Okay, it was okay. all a yuck. You can move on. <laughs> okay. And uh, anyhow, I said to you, like, yeah, man, that was such a crazy, trippy movie. I didn't, you know, like, whoa, how weird or whatever. And I wanted to seem a lot cooler than I was. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, David Lynch. Wow. Ugh. Excuse me. And then you're even though intellectually you run laps around me. No. Yeah. And then easily. Um and by then, far. No. I am I am a peasant compared no, to you. And then you said, yes, that movie really is um a very strong metaphor for the struggles of fatherhood and his inability to connect as a father. And blah blah blah. And I was sitting there like what? He had a fucking worm baby. What are you talking about? He had a worm baby with a parrot face. <laughs> because I didn't, it meant to me, I was looking at it just from the absolute surface of that movie. Yeah. And, but that's, I think, how you and I connect to media on very different levels. Right. On very different ways. And Part of what I liked about going to movies with you and what I still enjoy about watching movies with you is because you bring such a radically different perspective to what I'm watching. So, I don't know. 
Did I ever tell you my my high school Eraserhead story? Mm-mm. So long time listeners, and this will be the opportunity. There's been Easter eggs throughout this entire episode where I've been trying to lay down small little audio clips that uh-huh. I've used throughout the run of this. Okay. And this will be my opportunity to finally put a video oasis. Tag oh, in here. Okay, okay. So there was a there was a video store that my longtime listeners will know about that I, I frequented in high school called Video Oasis. Yeah, I know about that. And I first saw a racer head on VHS at that place. I rented it, loved it. I kept renting it over and over again. And then before I left for college, I rented it and never took it back. Never took it back. For the first year of college, they kept contacting my parents saying, hey, uh, your son has a huge... You're killing me right now. My my son has your my son. Your son has a huge late fee. He has this movie. And of course, my mom and dad are completely oblivious as to what the fuck it is. And they're like, Derek, do you have an eraser head? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking I about. Talking I don't about. know what you're talking about. Well, um, you might want to take it back. Because they're closing their doors. <laughs> they went under because they went under <laughs> and they they want their merchandise back. <laughs> and it was like a forty dollar late fee or something and it's like now that. Now sitting on the bookshelf. No, I don't have me. it. I oh. I did take it back. I did take it back. Oh, that's considered. But sub- subsequently I've bought Eraser Head <laughs> many times over. So video oasis, eraser head. So so anyway, so through osmosis, because I was living with you, I started doing all these shows, and I eventually got you involved in this. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you what did you think about when you finally started? How did you think of how were you self conscious about getting on and talking about this stuff? I mean, oh, what did you what yeah. did this make did you did this make you feel like you were expressing something, or were, did it stress you out? Or I it mean, made me feel intimidated. Why? Because I was going to be podcasting with you and other people that I think watch movies very much so in the same way that you do. And I didn't, I was worried that I wouldn't necessarily have anything to contribute to it. Which obviously wasn't the case. Yeah. Well, I mean, once I got rela- a little bit more relaxed and stuff like that, but I still think that I probably commented more on superficial types of attributes or like scenes they thought were funny or this or that or other like rosary jobs like rosary jobs <laughs> where everyone where a lot where a lot of times um there was kind of discussion uh about the undercurrent of the movie and or its relevance in terms of um movies in that era when it was released sure. like how it progressed certain things and made certain things acceptable to do and in and honestly, my film watching career um, you have a career? is not. Have no, you, have no. You made and money that's doing the this? point. That's the point. I and need to figure out how the angle to get in yeah, on this right. gimmick because I've never made money watching this shit. My the like I watched movies when I was younger. I watched movies, you know, here and there. But it was never something that I saw as like a hobby. And I think that film watching is very much so a hobby for you and a way for you to connect with different things. 
And for me, it's not at all. It's like, just like I said, it's like just a completely different perspective. So I was really nervous that I wasn't going to have anything to contribute like at all. Well, um, I think one of the things when we initially started dating that um, obviously attracted me was you have the same like taste for a lot of this, even though you hadn't seen a lot of maybe as deep dive as I had. Right. Right. Um, because I just really, yeah, I just, I've always naturally been drawn to horror and kind of culty stuff or campy, goofy, goofy, campy shit. Yeah. The reason I think I have a lot of the perspective I do on, on this stuff and hearing you say these things is, I mean, maybe a little illuminating to me, but Mm -hmm. that um, I use watching film as an escape Mm -hmm. a lot, Mm -hmm. a lot. I never did. To to escape from a really shitty life. Yeah. Yeah. And I never did. I didn't have to. Yeah. I didn't have to. So maybe that's why, you know, there was things that, I empathized with characters mm-hmm. or I empathized with situations or I saw bits of myself yeah. in things to kind of help me, help guide me in ways of thought and, and maybe yeah. expression because I didn't necessarily have that in my life. Right. And I think that's never really gone away. And maybe I've used my obsessions with media or whatever as a crutch to kind of help me through shitty situations that maybe stupidly I, I, I look for things that maybe aren't there. I, I, I don't know how but to express never, that, but. And I never saw filmmaking as an art form and you very much do. You see it very much as an opportunity to, for people um, to express self in a lot of different ways, not even just necessarily with the scripting and the content of a film, but also with the atmosphere and the tone. And, you know, those are not necessarily things that maybe I thought about subconsciously, but certainly not actively when I was watching a film, you know, like there are certain, there are certain, I always knew I was really interested in horror films, for example, for example, but within horror films, there's a lot of different kinds of horror films and I never really thought about why I don't really care for certain types of horror films and why I do really like others. And I just never thought to put words to it, I guess. And you're like, I like, I, I like the tone of slow burn horror movies, mm-hmm. for example. And I never, I just knew I liked that kind of movie, but I, but subconsciously, I guess I didn't ever recognize that it was the tone of the film that I liked. And I sure. think that that's the perspective that, us watching movies together brought right and uh do you do you think that doing the podcast oh i think did it did anything to no you? i do i think it forced me to look a little bit deeper and a little bit more closely about thing what it was that i liked about certain mm-hmm. movies and what it was about certain movies that i did not like rosary jobs and <laughs> stuff like, you know like yeah. why is it that that's so why is it that that's such a i mean like repugnant thing to me right you know i think that's an important distinction i think we had like talked about that in the past is that and the reason maybe and this is i've noticed in very recent history that i am pulling away from a lot of that stuff like yeah 
the exploration of boundary pushing and, uh-huh. and trying to find buttons because I know my buttons now. I know yeah. what they are, and I don't feel the need to deep push dive that. and push yeah. it anymore. Because I think, you know, it's important for, for some people to be able to explore things that are offensive to them to know why they're offensive to them. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that saying about you that, like you had just said, what yeah. is it, what why is it about why that? Why is it that I don't, why is it that I'm just like completely shut down? By, right. Why is it that I'm completely shut down by it? Right. But most people don't have maybe the emotional insight. To want to explore that, yeah. to want to explore things that maybe they're afraid of or that that offend them or that bother them. Yeah. And maybe that's some of the reason I got into some of this mm-hmm. stuff is that I couldn't explain what some of my own problems were. Yeah. And the podcast, silly enough as it was, kind of helped me to do that, sort some of that out as well. Yeah. I don't know. I, and I don't. <sighs> I have a difficult time. We've talked about this in the past. I have a difficult time with the, with the pushing of boundaries for the sole purpose of pushing boundaries. Like, and we've talked about that, like, for example, using rape as a plot device in a film, um, showing really gratuitous sexual violence and things like that, that I see little, there's little, I see little parts of that turning my heart black <laughs> and it just isn't going to go back. Right. And I just don't want to go there. Like I, I don't want to go there in my head. I don't want, yep. that, I don't want that in my head space. I don't want yep. that energy with me. I just, I, I don't want to go there and I'm not willing to explore that. Yeah. And there are some people who are and are okay with that. And I'm just not one of them. I'm not, I, I have to confess. I'm not one of them anymore either. Yeah. I've, yeah. I have found myself in the very recent memory um, finding that I no longer want to live in that headspace at yeah. all. Anymore. Why? I just don't see a point to it. I I think that that affects you in a lot of ways that you um maybe not even necessarily realize. Like just to have that kind of constantly in your headspace. Like to use rape as an example or uh, violence. Let's just say violence really gratuitous violence as an example it starts to lower your threshold for what is acceptable when you're constantly pulling into that space and you're constantly allowing that into your head space if but i think if you if you emotionally and empathetically allow it to get into your head space and allow it to get into your heart i think i i know a lot of people that are able to separate that you know there's there's a lot of people that aren't well no this is true and i think making a broad generalization about about people is is uh, yeah problematic at best Mm. but on a person per person basis you and i at this point i think are kind of in the same place i mean Uh, i'll still watch multiple maniacs i got no problems with that i will just fast forward through the parts i don't like right but i'm not looking (laughs) because there's been multiple instances where lately movies have come up where i'm just like no i'm not gonna go there i i really don't want to see this or i start watching it and I immediately am like, no, no I can't, I, don't I wanna, can't do yeah. this. I don't want to do this. So I think the, Does most, that mean I'm growing up? I think so. Dang. Fuck. I'm an old. <laughs> I'm an old. The first, the very first instance that I remember thinking to myself, why the fuck would anyone want to watch this? And what does this say about a person who's willing to yeah. is, um, uh, if no, 
everybody out there in Astro Radio Land Z doesn't know, I was married once. And um, my husband at the time, we had been together for like 10 years or something. And my husband at the time um, stayed up late one night. And the next morning I asked him what he did for the night. You know, oh, how was your night or when did you come to bed or something? And he said he had stayed up and watched a documentary called Zoophilia. Oh. Or about, Zoo. Or maybe it's just yeah, called Zoo. Zoo about the, yeah. the people that fucked animals. Specifically horses. Right. About a group of men who had sexual predilection for horses. But they but they wouldn't that if I remember correctly, because I've seen this documentary, it's on YouTube. Uh-huh. Um it's it went beyond that. It uh, went yes. into animal husbandry. Yes, 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 yes. So well, but animal husbandry is just caring for animals. But no, they married these right. creatures. Well, right. in their own heads. Yeah. They had yeah. a marriage relationship. Right. Like there was one guy that was claimed he was in love with a pony. Right. Right. So um you're using the term husbandry in a different a way yeah. yeah 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 but um the so i asked him i was like oh what 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 was the documentary about or somehow he was sharing with me and he told me it was about um people who were into bestiality yeah and how and he said it showed a clip of someone or either being mounted by or mounting a horse i don't recall that oh i don't recall maybe it was just like a flash screen or something um, as far as I know, that's not legal in the United States. Bestiality, right, as far as not. I know, it's not. So maybe it was just him walking out into a pasture or something. But at any rate, it singed in my mind that he specifically recalled seeing something that either got very close to showing bestiality or was about to and the screen went black. Uh, but the... And then apparently it goes on further to describe how someone was killed in, an, in a sex oh, act of course. with a horse. And um, I remember sitting there, like, across the breakfast table and looking at my husband and thinking, why would you ever want to watch something like that? Like, I recognize that those things are going on. Clearly, they're going on. I recognize that those things are going on. But why would you ever want that to go into your brain? Like, there is a little part of my brain and my heart that would turn black and never be able to unsee it. (laughs) So why well, even expose myself to that? Well, I have I, to deal with enough of that at work. Well, see, that's a different that's a different thing altogether. Because you do deal with a lot of fucked up shit. I at deal work. with tons of fucked up shit. At so work. so there's a difference there. There are some people that that don't deal with that kind of stuff and have. I think movies and media and are explorations of the human condition. A lot mm-hmm. of them oh, absolutely. Is, and, and is escaping into worlds that you aren't familiar with and that are hypothetical constructs, even though this is a, a documentary, a documentary yeah. this is like escaping and living somewhere that you can do without actually going, going through there. that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there are some people who think the same, like, I don't understand how it is that I am so repulsed by um, some of the things that I see in films, yet I can go to work and some people and do CPR on a kid. Will it bother me emotionally? Yes. But would it prevent me from doing my job the next day? No. There are some people who probably um, will never be able to watch a, an episode of forensic files. It's just too intense for them. Yeah. But for me, that's how I unwind. 
I, you know, I crawl in bed. I know, it's all my YouTube is. <laughs> I crawl in bed. I crawl in bed and flip on forensic files yeah. because there is a little bit of escapism there. I always wanted to be a forensic detective or to be a detective. Have you watched confession tapes yet? Yes. Amazing. I've, I'm three or four episodes in right yeah, now. Yeah, That's really something. It's a really it? good show. That's yeah. really something. Um, but so, so I, excuse me, I can rationalize that type of escapism. But for some reason, I have a very difficult time rationalizing escapism when it pulls into particularly sexual Darker. deviance. Okay, see, and that's yeah, that's particular, particularly sexual deviance. That's a trigger for you. It is. It really is. And I know exactly where it comes from. And, um, and you don't have to. Talk no, about I'm not that. going to. But I know exactly where it comes from, and I know why that is something that is just like off limits for me sure some some place i don't want to go yeah yeah and it was it was nothing that happened to me in right, terms right, of abuse right, right. Or well you don't have to like go that. you don't even yeah. have to go into that yeah but i i got a lot of that talk like what you had just said about your ex-husband like mm-hmm. why would you yeah what, what is wrong what with is, you oh i didn't i didn't so I think there's anything wrong with him. I just couldn't understand why he wanted to watch it. Sure. It didn't make sense to it, me. It didn't connect with you. Yeah. Like, like I wouldn't choose to watch it. I'm not going to think somebody's an absolute pervert and a weirdo for watching something sure. like that, but I would not choose to watch it. So what would you say was the best thing that we ended up watching for the show? If you could say, mm. You're going to die when you hear this, but I really like doing the John Waters series. Well, of course you did. Um, certainly there were moments in that that I had a hard time with in, in the movies, but all of his movies hold this like super campy, goofy, absolutely carefree um, quality to them. And there's a little, there's a, not a little, there's very much a part of me now at 35, now at 35 <laughs> years old that I just turned 35 now that at 35 years old. And after the things that I've gone through in my life, you know, I was divorced. My husband told me just to pound sand basically. And then my aunt died and I started a new job and I moved into a new house. And some of those were good things, but they were still stressful. Sure. And then my partner died unexpectedly. And there was some really big secrets in our relationship that were very painful for me to discover posthumously. Yeah. And then my fucking dog died. And like, I just had so much stuff happen that there's something that, uh, that always connected with later John Waters works like cry baby and mm-hmm. hairspray mm-hmm. and things like that, of course. Um, and I, but then now that I've gotten older, there's something that connects a lot stronger with the undercurrent of just like, life isn't that fucking serious and you need to stop taking everything serious. Like, Amanda, slow down. Quit being so offended Quit, by fucking yeah, everything. Yeah. And so there was a big part of me. I mean, I'm still going to be a little offended by something. Or not even it's purposely not, supposed not to even, be. Yeah, not even offended, but just put off by. Yeah. I'm not offended by somebody having rosary beads shoved up their asshole. What you want to do in a church with a transvestite is your biz, okay? <laughs> That's your business. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to see it. Right. And, um, but I, I, I think that that, that 
Or um, like when we watched some of those movies with Casey and then had Casey come on. I always regret that were, we weren't able to, to keep going with do that some of more. those. Yeah, because that was really fun. Casey was, has been my longest standing friend. And um, that those are fun. Those two episodes reasons, are really fun. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I liked those episodes was because it was an opportunity for Casey and I to, to, to connect, yeah. to start reconnecting again a little bit closer. But also it's because we were watching movies that scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. And then it was really fun to like come back as an adult and watch that and laugh at, them and a little laugh bit. at it a little bit. Um, but I have to tell you, <laughs> the entity still scares me. <laughs> That movie's fucked up. It's really effed up, especially when you're like nine years old watching it. Yeah. A ghost is raping you? My God. Well, you gotta admit the whole lab sequence at the end is it that is that's some fucking bullshit, right? Yeah, you know that didn't happen. <laughs> that's a fucking that bullshit. That's a fabrication at best. Okay, so that's the best stuff. That's you know Yeah. You know how happy that makes me. Why? The John Waters stuff. Oh yeah. That was the stuff that I was most worried about. Putting out or having no, me involved having in? Having you involved in. Oh, oh, oh. Especially yeah. the early stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. I lived and breathed that stuff. I know. For so long. Yeah. I connect uh, with that stuff in such a stupidly profound way <laughs> that there's a philosophy at work in those movies. Mm. The ph- a philosophy of spirit. Yeah at work in those movies that I connect. Well, with. And, and now, interestingly, after watching all of his films, you can see that moving through all of it, the pecker and, um, hairspray and Crybaby camp and lightness is still in multiple maniacs oh, and flamingos. It's just not in the same way. No, no, it's still there. Yeah. It's just a little different it's, and it's yeah. in development. Yeah. And kind of moving through. And then you can see, you know, where when John, you can, there's a definite distinction where John Waters is picked up by mainstream media ish. Yeah. And that, that kind of harsh, um, primitive graveliness is of gone. the first stuff is just gone. Yep. I wish there was a little, at least a little bit of that in some of the other films. Well, Cecil B. Demented, there yeah, was some Cecil of it. Yeah, Cecil B. Demented, yeah. And definitely a dirty shame. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, true. I mean, but bears. Cecil B. But Cecil B. Demented was one that a lot of people. You said it did not go over well. No, right? Didn't. So, but I it's mean, probably the closest one that to his early stuff out right. of anything that came after. Right, right, right. But it's it makes no it's no surprise to me that. Excuse me, I'm drinking a shock top and belching all over the place. <laughs> it, it it doesn't surprise me that Cecil B. Demented did not do well, despite the fact that at that moment, John Waters on a whole was doing quite well uh, in terms of kind of getting out and getting his movies pushed out to the man. His stuff, that was on his down, his decline. Cecil B. Demented. Yeah, well, after Pecker is kind of the start of the the decline. Yeah, but Pecker was was quite raunchy, too, for the films. There was a lot of homosexuality. There was a lot of drag. There was a lot of open... um, homosexuality voyeurism there's a lot of tea bagging there's a lot of things that a lot of people are going to look at and be like this is a boundary for me and step away from john waters on a whole and not revisit his work because they're starting to see it change what they don't realize is that 
it's changing back to what yeah. it used to be right. because they'd never gone back and looked at his earlier work. Yeah. But you can see there is a crescendo in his filthiness and then it plateaus with um, hairspray and things like that. Well, I and think then it, it starts it goes coming away. back around. It, it's almost like it goes a loop. Like it's a crater. Yeah, right, right, like right. It dries out. And then it comes back. Right, right, right. So, okay, so that that's the best stuff. What was the worst thing that I made you watch? I'm trying to think. Was there anything I got up and walked out of? I don't think so. I think I toughed it up. Some of those shot on horrors were just. The shot of videos? They weren't, yeah. Yeah. yeah they weren't bad, but I was bored. No, come on now. What about that one gimmick where it was the the people out in the back of the woods dressed up like a medieval fair? Remember that shit? <laughs> I don't remember what it was called, but that was some horse shit. But I wouldn't necessarily say that was the worst. When I think of the worst, I think of things that are offensive to me. Not necessarily like, this is so fucking bad. Because we toughed it out. I right. remember laying in bed and just like being able to laugh at it. So it was still fun to watch. Even though it was a bad movie, it was still fun to watch. Yeah, I can't. I would never watch it alone, but because we were together and watching it, sure. it was fun. Well, I never really tried to push you into the really super Raunchy nasty stuff. stuff yeah, you were I knew. kind. You were a good steward of my prudeness. <laughs> You're, to... I'm not saying that. No, no. no, no. You know what I mean, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean, yeah. though. That I was kind of prudy and am kind of prudy. And uh, um, and so you were a good steward of that. Well, you were a good steward of that. So when all is said and done, this is this is it. We're not going to be doing this yeah. again. Looking back at it. What do you think? What do you have to say? I would do it again. Yeah. Do you miss doing this? I got to say, and uh, there's a reason on this episode there are there are three long sections of this of this episode because there are three people that were instrumental to this podcast even existing is Corey. Because he created this podcast, and then through some weird selfless decisions, just like Derek, I think you sh- you need this, and because we had conversations, he basically came Crazy to me. Friend. He, he came to yeah, me. He's he like, I think it. you wanted, you need to do this. You needed the outlet. And uh, Mark, because Mark texts me every single day. <laughs> Hi, Mark. I know he's going to listen to this. Hi, Mark. He checks up on me every single day. He uh, is constantly talking to me about movies. And over the course of doing the podcast, there was no other person that championed continuing doing Mm -hmm. the show like Mark did. Yeah. And I mean, he does 15 million things. (laughs) He has all these videos he's constantly cranking out. He goes to the movies constantly. He has his own podcast that has well surpassed mine yeah. in number of episodes by almost double, I think, or even more. And um, and you, because I don't think um, we got together at a time that my life was pretty much devastated. 
And there was a lot of things that I was tossing aside. And while I was still doing this show, I wasn't necessarily 100% in it. And you always kept encouraging me to continue doing this. Well, I recognize how therapeutic it was for you. And uh, when you... This is something that I recorded but didn't include in a in uh this show and I ultimately decided not to put it out as a Patreon was that um I attempted to do what I ultimately did with you on this podcast with my ex-wife. Yeah. There are three episodes of this show with her. And during the the time of the fire sale of my life where I'm just, I just laid a blowtorch to everything just to have a clean slate and start all over again. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I decided to keep those three episodes. episodes. Mostly, no, this isn't true, but I'm, I'm still going to say this. Being a collector, I hate breaking up yeah. collections. Yep. I hate doing that. Well, it makes sense to me. But on, on another note, those are three of the only good lasting memories I have of that marriage mm-hmm. other than my wonderful children. Yeah, sure. I know what you mean. So I decided that I was going to keep those more for myself. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is they became, they're like three of the most listened to episodes of the podcast. How bizarre is that? But anyways, but that once I started bringing you on. It made me feel really good. It meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to me that you welcomed me. Even if I didn't give two shits about the movies we were watching. <sighs> Which was most of the case. <laughs> um, it was still very much an opportunity for me to connect with you. <sighs> so I wanted to thank you. For, for being there. Not only for this stupid fucking podcast, um, but for being there for me. You don't have to thank me. I love you. Because still, I still will, though. It's what loving somebody is about, isn't it? <laughs> right. So, uh, this, this is... This is a closing of a chapter of my life. Yeah. I mean, this is way more weighty why than I think, need to do that than why? this needs to be for for a show in which I mostly talked about melon heavy breasted women <laughs> shooting machine guns at, at rubber monsters. But um there a, a buddy of mine that came on a show, uh, Vaughn, sent me a clip. That really kind of made me stand back and think about things a little bit in a in a different perspective than I had, um, because he he talked about 
the fact that he went back after all this time and started listening through the whole run of the, the show. Of it. And he observed how insanely present my life was in each of these episodes in each of the, in, in, in this podcast that my life became part of the show yeah, in a way that I had never intended it to be. Sure. And I think that's, I see a lot of podcasting as like a living diary, whether yeah. you want it to be or not. Right. Right. Well, it's, it was important for me with this last thing to close this chapter and tell each of you guys how much it meant to me mm-hmm. that you were a part of it. Yeah. Because some of my favorite things that I, if I, when I do go back and listen to the show, which isn't very often because I, I've come to hate the sound of my own voice. <laughs> I don't know why you have a fantastic radio I, voice. I can't, I, that's a whole nother trigger that I'm not even going to get into. Um, there are, there are some times where I, I hear the shows that we did together and it just makes me smile a lot. Good. Those are just good memories. Yeah. Good. So, uh, thanks. You're welcome. Is there anything you want to say to the listeners <laughs> now that we're steaming piles of fucking yeah, mess? Crying all over the place. <laughs> no. There there's isn't. nothing. You want to say to them? Thanks. They uh, a lot of people expressed that they they liked, you know, you as a presence on the show. They <laughs> it did. Seems so odd. To me. No, it's not. <laughs> Why is that odd to you? I don't know. I just don't consider myself to be like a, I don't know, person people want to listen to talk. I don't know that I necessarily have anything exciting to contribute. <laughs> it's your energy. It's in anything in life. It's the energy yeah. you. You put out. Yeah. You know? Well, thank you. I guess I would want to say thank you for them just supporting Astro Radio Z, because I know how much it meant to you. Why do you think I kept asking you when you were saying you were going to stop? Are you, how do you feel about this? Are you sure? Are you ready? How do you feel about this? And I didn't have a hesitation about it. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Well, at some point, people just come to recognize when they're ready, you know? Yeah. And I think you're ready. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. So, uh, until you find something else to podcast about. I love you. Love you too.
Derek, here we are, uh, end of an era. I really want to thank you for just make, helping me, allowing me to be part of Astro Radio Z. It was just such a huge honor. It was always a privilege to be on the show. I remember, remember it wasn't my first show that I was ever on. I did a podcast beforehand with my buddy Austin. We did Film Geek Central together, and I had done like, some things here and there. But this show, this was special. This was uh, really the first show where I felt like I was invited on as a panelist and was really valued for my opinions for my sense of humor, uh, which you're not hearing much of now, but uh, it, 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 I, I, felt, I felt like I was invited on because uh, I felt like I had something to contribute, and it was being acknowledged that I had something contri- to contribute, and you know, at that point in my life, I really, really needed that, so uh, thank you so much for helping me part of it. I mean, because of the show, I met so many amazing people, uh, gosh... I'm going to forget a ton of them, you know, uh, but you know who you all are. You know, Cole, Andrew, uh, Mark, Glenn, uh, Angelique, Tanya, everybody. God, I love you guys. I love all of you guys. Even the ones whose names I'm forgetting to mention right now. I love all of you guys. Um, You're um, all amazing in your own ways. And so are you, Mr. Carey. Uh, you did something special here. Don't ever forget it. And we got to do so many great things. I mean, we got to talk about um, the nature of exploitation. We got to tackle the franchises. I mean, the first thing I ever uh, think I did with you guys... Well, no, the first thing was the um, was the 31 Days of Horror for October. That's right. But I think the next big project was the Witchcraft series, which, I mean, it was painful as hell, but... It really did feel like it was this major undertaking, and that it was this amazing project, and it was kind of special, uh, f- feeling like uh, we were the first people to really tackle it in this way. And uh, that's why I made sure I was there for every single franchise uh, as they went on, including uh, Derek's favorite, the Vice Academy series, which, okay, they may not be Citizen Kane. I, I do still say that, you know... I would rather watch any of the Vice Academy movies five times over than watch, say, Puppet Master: The Legacy ever again. <laughs> so that, so there's that, and you know, and I know, no, I know that this part of this, you know, uh, ending the show now is because you're going on to a special part of your life, and part of it is so, to guarantee that you never have to review another Vice Academy or Puppet Master or Howling movie ever again. Um, too bad, too bad you didn't decide to do this before the last three witchcraft movies came out. You could have saved yourself a lot of heartache. But, um, <laughs> so we're all here. And, oh my god, the, uh, porn parodies episode. Wow. The uh, porn parodies episode. I loved that, those episodes, as you well know. Uh, I loved your approach to them. Uh, and, you know, we, we could have done so many more. You, do you know how many more there are out there? I mean, we never did the Gremlins parody, Don't Get Them Wet. Spoiler alert, everybody gets wet. Um, 
they did a ton of Silence of the Lambs ones. Uh, you know, there's Silence of the Gams. There's Hannibal Lictor. Um, the Horrors of Eyes. Uh, there's Beetlejism. I mean, it's just... There's a ton of them. and th- Those are all real titles. And we're missing that. So, you know, if you ever change your mind, you know, I'm available. So, um, But yeah, so I'm just gonna say thank you so much for helping me be part of this. Um, there is a, I will say that there is a great movie I would like to talk about right now, uh, to kind of, you know, close this out. And I know it's a movie that's very dear to your heart. When Andy Milligan did a movie about a family of werewolves and awful people, it was not deemed good enough. It was deemed as too short. So his producer, Mishkin, uh, told him to go back and uh, film something else. Also, was always also always telling him, "Look, these old things with hunchbacks and werewolves and everything—that's all old hat." You know, it's really big right now. Willard. Willard's really big. So, could you maybe throw in something about rats? So Andy Milligan threw in said, "I could throw in some rats." Um, I could throw in some animal cruelty. I could, and, you know, I'll tell you what, since I'm human vermin, I will even make myself up to look kind of like a rat. And he did. Somebody actually asked for an Andy Milligan movie to be longer, which seems like a really bad idea. But they did. They made The Rats Are Coming, The Werewolves Are Here. And I have to say, it is it is an amazing movie. It's a wonderful film to watch. You can see, you can uh, watch this and really get appreciation for the grain. It's an important note to note that Andy Milligan's films are about seventy percent grain. Uh, you can look at his amazing costumes, which are always look so garish and awful. It's like a it's it's like a, a third class drag queen trying her best put going to a renaissance fair using clothes from goodwill and you can hear endless endless scenes of people talking 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 and talking and always talking about exposition in the clumsiest ways possible always uh talking about how Awful their families are. Might surprise you. Andy Milligan had a very bad home life. Hated his mother. Actually like actually called called her called his mother a bitch at, at her mother's funeral, to which his father punched him out. Um uh, so all of his films have these families where there's incest and abuse and backstabbing and murder. And this is another movie in that fine tradition. Uh, also to note that Andy Milligan himself was a real piece of shit. Uh, he was a real horrible human being, as well as being a terrible filmmaker. But God, I still love those movies. So yes, uh, werewolves, rats are coming, the werewolves are here. Uh, you may have fer- seems like I'm not really discussing too much in the horror aspects. It's because it's not really to that much of a horror film. It starts to turn into a horror film at the end, but mostly it's a melodrama with people... Talking, talking, and then talking. And so now, that review of that wonderful movie that I know you love is part of your last show. Isn't that amazing? Anywho. But seriously, without every, all, without um, all of this, I just want to say 
Thank you, Derek. Um, this has meant so much. Uh, the Astro Radio Z is a fantastic show. You put together something amazing. Don't ever doubt it, buddy. And I'm just so glad to be a part of it. And if uh, you ever decide to do anything again, or if I do something, uh, I hope that we are, have a chance to work together again in this way. All right. Well, take care, buddy. And, you know, good luck going forward. That's it, folks. This is the end of Astro Radio Z. Thank you for sticking around and listening to this whole thing. Thank you for sticking around and listening to 126 episodes of me delving into my cinema obsession. Not many people in my life would sit and humor me about this kind of stuff. And the fact that I was able to find a whole slew of like-minded freaks out there that wanted to sit and talk with me over the course of six years about films that the vast majority of people out there don't give a flying fuck about. I could go down the street and people, when we start talking, I might, I have in the past brought up, yeah, I have a podcast and they're always like, oh, really? What's it about? That's really interesting. And then I tell them and they're like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know what that is. And of course, judgment immediately sets in. Maybe I'm internalizing that, but I internalize everything. And uh, I just kind of turn away and uh, move on from that conversation. Uh, I tend to be self-deprecating about a lot of things in my life, but this show always made me happy even when i was stressed out about it and i wasn't feeling it um i was always happy when i had a final product in my hand to give to you guys for you guys to listen to and when i saw you guys listening to it and getting back to me um it drove me to continue and driving me to continue to watch weird ass shit you don't have to twist my arm too fucking hard. You really don't. So uh, thank you to all the listeners out there that have stuck with Astro Radio Z all this time. If you're new to the show, please go back on the iTunes feed, on any of the feeds where you get your podcast. The whole run of this show should be there. Start from the beginning. It's rough. The beginning of this show is understandably rough. But I think over time, 
and not to pat my own back, it turned into a fairly fun show, and I'm proud of it. So if you're into the stuff that I am, all this bullshit we've been talking about all these years, please go back, listen to all that stuff. It's on YouTube, all of those videos. Some of the videos I even edited some stuff too. I mean, nothing fancy, but there's some visuals there. Um, go back, listen to all the episodes. And if you dig it and want to talk some more, go over to the Facebook group. That's still going to be around. I'm still going to always want to talk about underground cult exploitation and horror film. And if you want to listen to more of this type of stuff, we will kind of be extending Astro Radio Z on the Patreon page. Now, it's not going to be exactly what this is, and it's only going to be like once a month. So if you want to go over to the Patreon and contribute and continue to get even the smallest amount of this show, please go ahead for a dollar. You get episodes every month. and. Not only are you getting episodes, you're helping me out. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Not only for all the people that have gone over there and contributed, but to all the people that have listened and continue to listen to this show. Astro Radio Z is done. This is Derek Carey signing out.